from 1924 when he threw rocks around a canyon down into the modern age he's been a boon companion though many folks have seen him know now none of them have held him or brought a decent hand sample to dr jeffrey meldrum if you're walking through the woods one night and you see a vague footprint Build a mold and cast that bitch, cause it could be a hit. But if you've never seen a Sasquatch, just seek and you will find. Because Bigfoot is a state of mind. Yes, Bigfoot is a state of mind. Hey everyone, this is an extra long episode because it's our live stream panel from Gen Con 2020, Virtual Gen Con 2020. You can watch the video of it on our Facebook page. about halfway through, we are warned in the through the chat that we accidentally, or I accidentally, marked this as a 13 and above event instead of 18 and up, which means we had to dial down the language. So that happens. Uh, our guests this week are uh, Tom, John, Denise, and Josh, all former presenters and friends of the show. Blake does show up a little bit late, but everybody is there, and we talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Okay, everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Zoo, a podcast where every week or so we make fun of an animal that probably doesn't exist. My name is Don. Um, with me, uh, uh, not as always, are the guests of this show. And Blake, the actual co-host, who is with me always, is restarting his computer. <laughs> so, oh, oh, to Mary Hershey. No, we have done a version of this panel many times. And yes, uh, <laughs> we know exactly how it happens. A few years back, we were actually interrupted by one of the Gen Con people who was like, hey, that person on your panel doesn't have a badge. They have to leave now. And we're like, motherfucker, we're right in the middle. Could you wait till we're done? Like, Whatever, okay. Do not underestimate security at Gen Con. They are very serious. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I'm I, expecting them to barge in at any moment to yes. tell me that I don't have a badge. I, I love to tell the story of a few years back when I was actually in really good shape and I cosplayed as Hawkeye. And the, the dude, the one dude, just one dude kept stopping me every time he saw me. He's like, you have to, you have to unstring that bow. It's a dangerous <laughs> weapon. And I was like, okay, if I unstring it, I now have a garrote and a beat stick. <laughs> And then, like, he, I never saw anybody bothering the six, like, hot Meridas or, like, the not-in-shape Hawkeyes. It was just me. Ugh. Okay. Anyway, so still waiting on Blake, but we're going to go ahead and get this. Uh, we're going to get this podcast started. So if you haven't listened to the show before, uh, welcome. Uh, every couple of weeks, me and Blake and sometimes a guest, one of these people, John, with, uh, or, I'm going to go in the order they are on my screen. So Tom with the beard. John in his office. Denise is a girl. Yeah. <laughs> and Josh with the hat and the other beard. Yeah. So, uh, and then Blake will show up here whenever he can. Uh, we make fun of cryptids. That's our thing for the last, oh God, two and a half years almost. Uh, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel of cryptids right now. We uh, make fun of things that uh, probably don't exist. Uh, we have done multiple episodes on Bigfoot. Sometimes we cover Bigfoot in the news. Sometimes we review a movie based around a cryptid and do kind of an MST3K sort of thing. And what we're going to do with this panel... Uh, as well as we don't actually script it. What? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, th- we have notes. But better, because none of us are uh, neoconservatives. That's true. That that we know of. That we know of. I don't know. John, you may have you may have yeah, converted in the... I'm, I'm, I'm moving right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you and the rest of the country. So, <sighs> if you want to check out some of our archive, uh, what we're going to do for this show is kind of 
highlight some of the silliest cryptids that we've covered in a year and a half or so of doing this. So some of these are going to lead you to uh, a couple of really good episodes. Uh, and uh, also, if you want to if you want to go to the Bigfoot in the News one that John co-hosted where we talk about uh, former Congressman Denver Riggleman, that's also a really good one because we, we look up... There's a story behind this, but we end up covering a bunch of... <laughs> A bunch of different patented inventions uh, that involve uh, interesting things to do with your with with your dick if you have one. <laughs> that was that was a topical episode. I it appreciated was, yeah. that we really brought in some uh, some outside news into that one. Yeah, usually we're not topical. Usually it's like here's a story from the seventies where <laughs> that was. It was really the heyday of the cryptid in nineteen seventy. Yeah, nineteen seventy one, the heyday of teenagers seeing shit. Well, Gee, what else was happening then? Yeah, people were yeah, driving yeah. around a lot. They had cameras that they didn't have to, like, you know, lug around uh, massive equipment for. Uh, developing film was a lot cheaper, but film was still crappy. Mm-hmm. And they were constantly high. Yeah, were that was all the thing. The time. I, sorry, I forgot about them constantly being high. All right, so constantly we've got somebody in, the, somebody in the chat. Emma Here Baker says, uh, can't click on the video. I don't know how to watch. Um... Anybody have any advice? I've done Facebook live streams before for other purposes. That's that's never been an issue. I'm not sure why uh, you can't. Uh, it doesn't matter. Emma can't see this. <laughs> but let me, Mark let me, Zuckerberg is the devil. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Hold on. Can Emma hear us? I don't think so. I'm typing into the chat. Fucking Emma. <laughs> Uh, it's probably it that's not very that's nice good, but, yeah. because you can't hear good, it. Because I, didn't, I didn't even like Emma. I don't. Even, <laughs> I wanted her to not attend. Yeah. Did you hear about how she smells? <laughs> Does she smell like a bunyip? We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, the show typically goes like this: we bullshit for a while. Usually talk about Star Wars. Wait, hold on, Blake. Tried on his phone, invalid meeting ID. Ah, son of a bitch. Did you not have the new ID? I, I sent it to him. The last one. Sorry, everybody. Um, I may have to do this again. Um, so Technical difficulties are a real cryptid. It's, uh, no, because they're here right in front of us all the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. You make a lot of sense. Um, so... Uh, anyway, the show typically goes, we bullshit for a while. One of us presents the other one a, a ridiculous cryptid or a ridiculous story about a cryptid. In the case of more famous ones like Bigfoot, there are so many stories. And then we talk about an animal that is way cooler than the made-up one that we just made fun of for the last 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, that is something that we uh, stole from this very panel, which we've done a few times over the years in various forms. Uh, and so the structure of this panel is going to remain kind of the same. If anybody was at our panel last time we did it in 2016 the hidden zoo podcast is actually a descendant of that because somebody walked up to us after the show and said you guys have a podcast i was like no she said you really should and then like two years after that ta-da we launched the podcast people people are really listening to like the original version of the hidden zoo yeah in a way wow in a way and uh so you don't have to stare at our faces all day well, over the next couple of hours, we do have a PowerPoint with pictures of the cryptids we're going to be talking about. And, uh, Tom, if you would like to go ahead and, and share that right now, I think we're ready to, to dive in. Because as every person who is working from home understands, if you have a Zoom, you also have to have a PowerPoint to go with it because those are the rules 
Hold on. Because no one wants to just stare at faces. I think Blake's here. Blake, are you here? Is everybody seeing my screen? Yeah. Yes. yes. Screen being properly shared. Yes. Okay. Blake. Hey. Hooray. <clears throat> I had to use my phone. It won't work on the desktop. <laughs> hey, that's fine. We don't care about low quality audio. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let, let's let me redo the intro really quick. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Hidden Zoo. Where every week or so, we make fun of an animal that probably doesn't exist. With me, I'm Don. With me, as always, is Blake. Hey, Don. Hey, Blake. So we just finished the bullshitting. We're going to dive right in. Um, are we? Are we doing it? Are we live? We're doing it. We are live on Facebook. Some people doing are it live. Yeah. Doing it live. Fuck it. Great. Fuck it. Doing it live. Reference my my favorite newsman. <laughs> he's a he's, he's barely a newsman. He's uh, barely well, a man. He's a, he's a man who's on something that vaguely resembles news. That's he's, a good point. Barely a man. He is no longer news. So is he still a newsman? Mm. Oh. He's so, all right, so uh, this is our title page, our uh, title screen for the uh, the Watchamahuzits for the PowerPoint. Don, what is the uh, what is the animal on your? Um, oh, on on our uh, cover. I've always I've always wondered. That's know? the that's the Black Beast of Jevadon, which is actually the first episode we did. Uh, is I, I covered that one. It's one that always fascinated me since when I was a kid, and then it's also the uh, the source for a pretty badass French movie, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, so uh, it's... Uh, I wouldn't recommend listening to our first episode. <laughs> uh, may, maybe, like, the third one, when we talk about the Beast of Busco, which is going to be in this podcast, too. That's a good place to start. Uh, okay, so, uh, uh, Thomas, could you give us a slide, please? I could. What, what? is... What? It's zoology. What is it? So, we'll just give you a brief primer here. Everybody just jump in whenever you want. <clears throat> so, it's from the Latin for... Crypt, meaning a place where dead things are. Mm -hmm. Ozo, which was a frat that was at our college. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Ulogy, uh, which is... That's the study you... of Jabba the Hutt's dancer, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So uh, it, that all makes a lot of sense. So it's, uh, it is Jabba the Hutt's dancer studying uh, at a frat with a bunch of dead people. And right. then there's this, like, this corpse that just tells really terrible puns. The entire time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get us to the next slide. We actually have two answers for this. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't. No one told me I was supposed to dress up like Zenguli. I feel like I should have been told this. Yeah, I was. I, came I got on. the beard. I was gonna get a vest and a floppy hat, but I forgot. Like I was gonna. I was gonna. You mean like like this? Oh Wait, no, Blake. Oh. oh. It's time for a fashion podcast. Look at him. He looks like he. Nice. Okay. So I, I, I say, I'm going to save that for a minute because I want to give answer one here. <laughs> answer one to what is cryptozoology is what most cryptozoologists want you to believe, that they are explorers out in the wilds and they are finding new creatures left and right. They're out there, the last of the people really believing that they could find new animals in the world. And that's why I have that picture of a guy just pulling a giant squid up. <laughs> With his fishing line, cryptozoologists often point to things like the giant squid or the coelacanth uh, as, hey, look, see, the Bigfoot could exist because the giant squid and the coelacanth exist. Uh, but in actuality, those were discovered by actual trained scientific zoologists, <clears throat> and cryptozoologists tend to be more like uh, Tom Slide, please. 
uh, yeah, guys, guys you know, in floppy hats. I mean, that guy looks like a brave Fortean researcher who is not bound by the dogmatic view of mainstream science, Don. Jeez. Or by the dogmatic view of how to tuck a shirt in. <laughs> oh, you guys are talking about the guy on the right. I thought you were talking about the guy on the left. No, that's Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh. I yeah. thought most of these things were found by couples necking in their cars in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> Movies will tell you that, yes. See, that's the evidence, though. That's what they put on their vests and their hats, and they and they go to lovers' lanes, and uh, they fail to drop acid. But they do bring a lot of like uh, infrared cameras and those those spy things that can hear stuff from far away. And did you, you guys, know, did you guys hear that? I'm convinced in the 70s you were equally likely to go to a lovers' lane and either encounter a Bigfoot or the Zodiac killer. Right. Yeah. At least one of those things was real. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've read a book that would suggest otherwise. <laughs> Alone on Lover's Lane with a bunch of spy equipment just describes an average weekend for me. <laughs> I'm not sure what your point is. <laughs> Have you ever found any cryptids doing that? I mean, I saw a girl once. Define, define doing it. <laughs> Oh shit, am I a cryptid? <laughs> oh no. Do we have like some resources that I can check out later to see if I might actually be a cryptid? No, uh, we haven't There's started the that. MST3K video. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's like a 10 step. That's an, that's a something anonymous. A, Hi, I'm Denise and I'm a cryptid. I mean, so, you, so you've proven that a woman exists. That doesn't mean all women exist. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Only... And I'm currently being interrupted by my own house cryptid. So I acknowledge him. He is right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet he's fuzzy and so uh, indistinct. For those of you he's... listening, it's a cat. Um, if you can't see, because we are going to release this as an episode of the show. A cat alone. <laughs> Geekgasm says it's French tuck, man. He says it in the chat, referencing <laughs> Megan Farmer Buddy here in the hat. I don't even think it's like a mistucked shirt. I think it's just a really shitty cutoff. Yeah, or like he just went running after a dude in a gorilla suit and it just kind of naturally came untucked. Because it's he looks like the guy who tucks his t-shirt into his jeans all the time. He looks like that he, kind of dude. He looks like what would happen if Ted Nugent had a weird polyp on one side of his abdomen. That's what the shirt's doing. Over under, what what do we think are the chances that those are jorts? Ooh, they're definitely the dad wash jeans if they are. So that raises the stakes yeah. that they probably are um, jorts. And he's got hiking boots with like really tall black socks. Oh, absolutely, yeah. knee high black socks, hundred percent. All right, Tom, Tom, move us forward. we got a lot to cover. So this is one of our favorite cryptozoologists. Um, I always forget his real name, but we just call him Totes because of the Totenkopf <laughs> on his sweet uh, Confederate Nazi cowboy hat. Um, I ran into this guy at a Bigfoot on, conference Johnny. I went to in Toledo. He won that at a fair. <laughs> yeah, he popped the biggest balloon. He squirted, he squirted the water into the clown's mouth way faster than all those six-year-olds. He's really good at ring toss. So th- this is how he presents himself. Like, this is how he wants you to think of him, is a Confederate Nazi with a great horned owl. So, uh, it's fucked up ears. He's uh, got like goblin ears. Yeah, he can't control that. He can absolutely control his fucking skull-ass leather cowboy hat. Yeah, but I think like the hat's a, uh... not helping. This guy looks like a community theater version of a character from Hellraiser. <laughs> yes. I don't understand the zippers. I'm just, I'm, 
I'm lost. Look, you need to read more Garfield because way back in the 90s, there was a whole series where John was convinced that the more zippers you have, the more macho you are. And I think this guy took that to heart. (laughs) I think he's trying to protect all of his nipples. It's a deep deep Garfield pull, Don. Yeah, look, I read a lot of Garfield when I was a kid. (laughs) The pile of reading next to my toilet for like 12 years was just Garfield books. And I just worked my way through them as I was dumping. That's what I did. Uh, his name is Ken Gerhard. Oh, there you go. Uh, and <laughs> he is posed here with an with a Eurasian eagle owl, Bubo Bubo, uh, <laughs> which I assume is the origin of the name of the owl in uh, in the original Clash, Clash of the, of the Titan. Titans. Yeah. So I think we have one more picture of uh, of Ken here. Yeah. Why? Oh, oh, this, this is the same guy. Yeah, Ken he's cow- he's a cowboy from hell. He's yeah. uh, this is his Pantera is cosplay. Is this one of Garth Brooks' other other yeah. personas? Yeah, I was, I was gonna say this guy released a different kind of country record. <laughs> this is outlaw country. If you like Chris Gaines, you're I like, I like that it's not even a Nazi skull. It's a skull with a rose in its mouth, which is unclear from this original shot. It's fucking like romantic, Tom. Yeah, I'm bad, but I'm also a lover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, this guy has a tattoo with a heart that says mom. What are the chances that this guy has a chin? <laughs> you know, I, I, as a bearded American, I recognize the usage of beards to hide a weak chin, a la a George Lucas. Right? What do you think? I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I shouldn't make fun of this guy's uh, face. Yeah, as a chinless American, I take better. great exception to this line of conversation. <laughs> I, I, uh, what's your problem with Ken Gerhard? Yeah, so the problem with Ken Gerhardt is he seemed like a nice enough dude, but uh, specifically the problem is he dresses like a Confederate Nazi. Um, but what's the problem with cryptozoology? We have a few. So, Tom, you're going to just pop us through this bullet point list here. I sure am. Yeah, problems. It's not yeah. scientific. They just go tromping through the woods. And they, they, they do like an aura of science with the technology they use, but they don't work in the same way that actual zoologists do, looking for all the many, many different types of, like, boring new insects that get discovered every year they're hunting for the big game so they they have speak for yourself some of us like beals yeah Mm -hmm. i I, hear god is inordinately fond of them yeah i heard that too they're a quarter of all known species come on it's true so yeah it's it's it is a pseudoscience it definitely is next well before we get into that like let's let's just talk real briefly in order to recognize new species of things, you have to have a lot of training to recognize the the species that we're already familiar with. Like, most people who are going out and, and discovering new animals are not, like, are not your comic book, oh, I have a doctor in front of my name, that means I'm an expert at all sciences, like your Dr. Dooms and your Mr. Fantastics and stuff. Like, these are guys who are very people who are very, very, very specialized, right? You've got like E.O. Wilson, who's an expert on on certain branches of insects, right? Types of ants primarily, I think, without actually looking it up. Um, because in order to recognize a new thing, you have to have exhaustive knowledge of what we already know. These guys mostly don't have uh, any training, don't have any, any uh, classical zoological training. Um, and they aren't using any kinds of scientific methods. Science scientists would not be going out primarily with like things to listen out in the the woods. 
uh, or staying out at night in a camper to see if they're going to like wake up at some point and find a, a Bigfoot on their uh, on their cameras. There are actual scientific methods for hunting animals. Um, and you, you see the adoption of quasi-scientific stuff, looking for tracks or signs and stuff, but a, a rejection of the the scientific methods that would uh, eliminate the possibility of, you know, large apex predators or hominid uh, groups living in, in wooded areas, right? Real zoologists know things about like trophic levels and uh, how much of a, of a food source is necessary to support a viable population in a Loch Ness or in a uh, Pacific Northwest forest. You're getting ahead uh, of us. I mean, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's one of the bullet points is specifically that. So okay. just keep rolling. I apologize. You know yeah. what? Let's go. Yeah. Is yeah. So, yeah, um, uh, a, a big old footprint that you cast doesn't really prove a heck of a lot of anything. Uh, if you, you know, we, well, People refer to the phenomenon of the blob squatch. You know, it's just like a random spot off in the distance of your of your camera or of your photo. And, oh, look it, that's a Bigfoot. Or it could be a blur, or it could be a dude, or it could be a shadow. Like, that. That that's the kind of stuff that's taken for evidence uh, among a lot of cryptozoologists. Basically, anything they can get their hands on, whatever scraps they can find that might... Uh, that might confirm the bias they have that Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster or Chupacabra or whatever already exists. Uh, you know, we haven't found any DNA or we haven't found blood. We haven't found bodies. We haven't even, even found, like, poop. And there's usually an excuse for why. Oh, Bigfoot berries, they're dead. Uh, they, I don't know. How, poop? What do they do they with their They have toilets. Poop? Yeah, they have big... <laughs> yeah, they Bigfoot got... goes to rest stops. Yeah, they got squash <laughs> toilets. Loch Ness, Loch Ness Monster is actually a 4,000-year-old dinosaur, and there's only one of them because it is eternal. That too, right. yeah, and yeah, and it doesn't, and it doesn't really need to eat, no, because there aren't that many fish in the left nest for it. So. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the the evidence for this, a lot of the evidence that or the what we need to consider is that so much of the best evidence that we have for a lot of these creatures is decades old mm-hmm. pictures and and video, like yep. you know, the Patterson Gimlin film for Bigfoot is was shot in what the early 70s i think it was 67 blake do you remember yeah it was late 60s yeah i think 67 and 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 and, uh uh, bob gimlin is still trading off of that like he's still going to shows making a living off of this thing that he shot um almost certainly fraudulently because literally they have the receipts or at least bob hieronymus did uh 67 67 yeah that's what i thought and he's like he's he's making a living off of this thing that happened 50 years ago almost 40 43 did I do that math right? 50, something like that. 40, 50, 53. Shit, it's yeah. more than that. It's 50-something. Yeah, 50, 50, 53 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, uh, all right. What's next on our list here? Uh, okay. Faulty assumptions. See, this is a holdover from the very first time we ever did this panel 10-ish years ago. And uh, an example of a faulty assumption is that we assumed that in the future we would know why we chose this picture from season five of Doctor Who to... <laughs> To, uh, to stand in for a faulty faulty assumptions being things like, first of all, they assume what they're setting out to prove is a good example. You assume that Bigfoot exists and they, that, you know, you're going to find it. Yeah. Or every every anomalous piece of material you find must be Bigfoot. Right. And, and like similar stuff in all kinds of pseudoscience, right? An unidentified flying object is an alien spacecraft. Even though by, you know, you haven't identified it. That's the whole point is, mm-hmm. is you're assuming everything that you can't identify in the sky must be aliens. Yep. 
One uh, of the things that occurs over and over in these kind of sightings and whatnot is the phrase, well, I ain't never seen anything like that. Well, okay, Jethro, you haven't seen a lot of shit. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> All right, next. Oh, this is – I love this picture. I, I still remember when I heard this story on a, on a different podcast, one that is not ours, probably in 20 – God, uh, 2008 or 2009. 2008, I, I was working third shift. Is this the Georgia Freezer Bigfoot? Yes. Yeah. I was so sad to learn that someone killed Professor Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> and then they chose to disgrace his corpse like that. It's just and they dumped so the brain guy on him. Yep. <laughs> Why? So, Why, so, lawgiver? Why? So I don't... I don't... <laughs> because she's evil! She's evil! <laughs> I'll be damned if I remember the name of the guy who did this, but he is uh, a cryptozoologist who does believe in Bigfoot. And I believe, if I remember correctly, he thought he was going to set the field forward by getting people to believe in his hoax of uh, Freezer Bigfoot, which was a monkey suit with raccoon guts poured on top of it. Like when those guys in Florida had TV's Frank in a freezer. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and a lot of people just went, "Oh, hey, that looks real." And then the the hoax came out, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, well, we were just, you know, we thought if we lied for the common good, it would it would be great." And then, if I remember correctly, like he tried to pull another hoax, like literally six months later, like so. I, I remember this story because I was working at the TV station, and this came in right after a break, and so I got to play a bump in song. And I played Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) (laughs) And our anchors giggled through the entire story because of that. So that Um, for the for for reference nonsense. For reference, the guys who faked it were named Matthew Witten and Rick Dyer. Okay, thanks. Oh, yeah, I remember Rick Dyer. Yeah, so the the idea behind the credulity bullet point being that uh, people are primed to believe this, they want to believe it, so they believe it without question. And then you look foolish when it turns out that it's a it's a monkey suit in a freezer with mm-hmm. raccoon guts. At least the Minnesota Iceman, they froze it in a block, so you couldn't really see anything, and you could right. just kind of see this. Like we're never we're never sure we will never be sure what the Minnesota Iceman was, but it probably wasn't a Bigfoot. We're pretty confident it was a latex monkey. <laughs> I thought it was it was Phil Hartman, and then he went to practice law. <laughs> no, different, different oh, frozen caveman. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a selective kind of credulity too, because they'll they'll express, you know, they'll take these low standards of evidence, whatever they can get their hands on for these creatures, but then you know they'll express extreme skepticism about you know any any scientific claims about them. It's mm-hmm. well, and uh, and and like going back to Ken Garrard, uh, he followed at the at the Bigfoot conference where I saw him speak. He followed a guy who rambled and rambled for like two hours about the Fey and UFOs and spiritual Sasquatches and, and Ken Garrard gets up there and he's like, you know, I, yeah, I disagree with this guy before me. I don't think Bigfoot is a spiritual entity or an alien. I think it's a real, you know, flesh and blood physical animal. So it's like there, there is infighting in between different types of cryptozoologists. Cause there are some who get way the hell out there. Like uh, if you go back to an episode where we, uh, this is just a couple of months ago. We reviewed a bad documentary. The episode's called Bigfoot Alien Ghost. Uh, Question mark? Yeah, because the, they were claiming basically Bigfoot was a shapeshifter who could turn into anything. The example they gave was a small white moth flying through the flame of the f- frame of the camera. And, like, hey, at, Don, at, at Don, that point... No, 
there's no Bigfoot poop because he poops in the poop dimension. No, he's actually a Hogwarts trained wizard. He just poops <laughs> and then makes it disappear. His poop is all around us. Yes. But, well, no, because it's just he disappeared it. He made it go away. Also, he's gay. That wasn't in the original Patterson Giblin film, but Bigfoot is, in fact, gay. We're just going to retcon that right now. Okay, next. Um, well, hold- oh. yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, we talked a bit about this with the blob squatch. Anomaly hunting is the idea that you see something that looks vaguely out of place. So you just go, oh, look at that. You, you look specifically for things that may not fit or that fit your, your narrative, your set of faulty assumptions, and go, that looks kind of like a Bigfoot. But that could be literally anything in that shot. Um, like Tom said before, the same goes for UFOs and a bunch of other types of pseudoscience. Um, conspiracy theory type crap, too. Hey, hey, Don, I have a question. Yes, yes, sir. We talk, we talk about people being not scientific, having low standards of evidence for the things they want to believe in. Yes. Uh, making false assumptions. Yes. Uh, people in, intentionally misleading the public. Uh, do you, you don't think those could – I'm just really glad, I guess, that those are problems only with the cryptozoological community and not with society as a whole yeah you know, it would be terrible if if uh, our politicians were like that and if the people who followed them were like that that would that would be awful right that well, would we all be know disease is formed by demons yeah demon semen yeah <laughs> only <laughs> that was my favorite disney channel show <laughs> i uh all i know is that i've got to i've got to refresh the aluminum foil sheeting on my house to keep out the 5g radiation yeah because it, it turns your dna into coronavirus right obviously yeah well specifically sars cov 2 this coronavirus but you know whatever i coated my mask in 5g in in tinfoil to keep the 5g off my face that's right a obviously. Smart, smart move i can't believe you you're wearing a mask your beard <laughs> <laughs> all right what's next what do we got next Ah, here, see, this is where I said you were getting ahead of us. I chose a picture of a orangutan when I made this forever ago because the idea that a a uh, a sizable breeding population of eight-foot-tall great apes, given the low uh, reproductive rate of great apes, uh, th- given that that size of a population would be impossible to find, to me is ridiculous when you think about things like orangutans and, uh, say, you know, gorillas. Now, there are... Uh, Current uh, current count, I think, uh, 40,000 to 60,000 Bornean Sumatran orangutans, which is a number that's dwindling uh, because given how they interact with each other and uh, habitat loss, they may not they may not survive the next 50 years. Like, that's not a long-term uh, survivable population size for orangutans. In the jungles of Borneo and Sumatra, and if you want to see an orangutan in Borneo or Sumatra, you can go out, you can fucking find one. And if you want to see one of the 200 eastern lowland mountain gorillas, you can go out and you can fucking find one, right? But the, So the idea that there is a, a viable population of big feet, and this is just one example, uh, in the Pacific Northwest where the woods aren't nearly as thick is kind of ridiculous on its face that, that after all these years of looking and how many seasons of finding Bigfoot, there's no definitive evidence. You know, there, We haven't found a single actual Sasquatch. Yeah, because if you're looking for, like, gorillas or whatever, you have to know what you're looking for. Where You have to know, like, hey, this is what they eat. This is where the food is. Mm-hmm. Since we're all sitting here making up shit about Bigfoot, you can't be like, oh, well, naturally, he goes to Arby's on Thursday because he gets a deal. So if you go to the Arby's on, you know, on the corner, you can go ahead and find the Bigfoot, and you can find his poop there. Yeah. No, you have to... 
animals leave traces. They have something that they do, unlike imaginary animals, which don't. Well, they leave they leave footprints. <laughs> yeah, do they, they take though? only pictures and leave only footprints. They're, they're, <laughs> they ended up Barbie. They might not poop. <laughs> uh, Don, you talked about the low reproductive rate mm-hmm. of great apes, and I want to challenge that a little bit because I've been on Amazon. And as far as I can tell, Bigfoot fucks. <laughs> well, that <laughs> is a lot. Yeah, that, that's the panel coming up at 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, <laughs> after, you put, after the kids go to bed. Be, given that there are at least 20, 20 volumes in the Come for Bigfoot saga, and, and at least one of them involves a Bigfoot-human hybrid baby, yes. <laughs> yeah, so Bigfoot can get it. No, that's uh, bullshit. We can't get great. We can't get great pandas to fuck. They're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're not adorable to each other. Yeah, every panda is ugly to every other panda. <laughs> I don't know. I'd fuck a great panda. Well, yeah, but not you a shitty exposed... panda. Just a great one. A really good one. You, you haven't been exposed to the impossible beauty standards of pandas. They can't even deal with it anymore. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get. We're gonna over their expectations. Pandas gotta. <laughs> Biden. Oh, and uh, Tom covered this already. We uh, how, how there is no degree in cryptozoology. That said, I am in the middle of a diploma granting course from a Welsh pretend college called the Center for Excellence on cryptozoology, uh, which I, I, I paid a, a great discount of thirty five pounds. It was twenty nine ninety nine Great British pounds. It was like thirty five bucks, and have learned so far, uh, among other things, that whales are descended from mosasaurs which is really fucking false. Um, but yeah, so um, like the, uh, Tom covered this earlier, basically like there's no way to get educated in cryptozoology. And most of these people with a couple of notable exceptions don't have any education in a relevant academic field in the first place. Um, all right. We're going to dig into making fun of cryptids. Now we want to give you a little bit of a background and we have a bunch of cryptids on the docket for you. Some of the silliest ones we have ever covered in no particular order. One of these we made up. Oh, God damn it. There was another bullet point. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that cryptozoology has 99 problems, but a squatch ain't one. Yes. <laughs> okay, so this is the Montauk Monster. We'll explain why that counts as jumping to conclusions when we get to the Montauk Monster's dedicated slide. As I said, we have some famous ones. We have, uh, we have some uh, obscure ones. And there is one cryptid that we made up buried in here amongst the other ones. And if you can guess at the end which one we made up, you will not get a prize. But congratulations. I will send you a, a nice emoji in the Facebook chat. So, uh, so uh, one thing before we before we move on, because this this does get back to both those last those last points. Um, animals are complicated, <laughs> like it's and and species are complicated. This the concept of species in biology. It, we we talk about it like it's a thing. You might have learned in like your ninth grade biology class that like species is a term we use for animals that can interbreed with each other. But that's kind of a. a, a a very simplified uh, version of the concept in truth discovering that a new species uh, is a really tricky thing um, that relies on a lot of different kinds of evidence and and there's no sharp dividing lines Um, when when these people go out they're expecting to find something that looks like nothing that anyone's ever seen before but the vast majority of species are just slight variations on things that we already know about Mm -hmm. right we're not for the most part, not going out and discovering completely brand new uh, morphologies. We're discovering things that, as we might expect, 
um, fit somewhere on the grand tree of life um, and fit into their, their particular niches. Um, and then, and then actually defining what new species are depends on, on a lot of, uh, smaller factors. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like I said before, the, the things that get found tend to be small things. Uh, the things cryptozoologists look for are what we characterize as charismatic megafauna, big things with faces that we like, uh, and, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, big things that you would be hard pressed to miss if it was standing right in front of you well we found most of those and uh, or we killed most of them 15 20,000 years ago uh, and now the people searching for stuff are looking for the little things because that's what's left okay um so here are I'm searching what i'm searching for a i'm searching for a regional subspecies of bigfoot well we have plenty of those dude <laughs> Clearly, Bigfoot just... is the most charismatic megafauna because, as we've established, Bigfoot fucks. fucks. <laughs> so, this is this is not a list of categories that we came up with. Uh, it used to be on the Cryptid Wikipedia page, and uh, since has been deleted. I forget who actually came up with it, but it's a loose way to categorize different kinds of cryptids uh, with some examples. We won't be talking about all of these, but a great number of these are actually in our presentation. Uh, things that are completely unknown to science. Uh, which is not to say they could not, like, they don't share similarities with other things like Bigfoot, but Mothman would be something completely new and novel. Chupacabra, new and novel. You've got, this is one of Blake's favorites, giant versions of real animals. So the Kraken, the Beast of Busco, which we'll explain. Uh, Nessie, if you subscribe to the giant eel hypothesis of Nessie. Uh, there are multiple versions of Nessie. Out-of-place animals, animals that are in places where they shouldn't be, like phantom kangaroos, which probably is just a kangaroo that escaped. Uh, or anomalous big cats, ABCs, which is like, that's one that's like really easy to believe. Yeah, there was a, you know, that area of Dartmoor in, in England, there was a local Joe Exotic and one of his fucking cats got out. Okay, you you <laughs> saw a big cat, right? Uh, and then you've got animals out of time, things that should be extinct but aren't, like Makili Mbembe, the magic, uh, mammoth of Magic Valley. And Nessie, if you subscribe to the plesiosaur hypothesis of the Loch Ness Monster. And finally, and here are things we don't tend to cover on the show, but we do occasionally, fearsome critters, things from American Lumberjack Tales, things that everybody knows doesn't don't exist, and they were just campfire stories from, like, the Westward Expansion era. And we generally uh, expand this to include, like, fairy creatures and stuff. But what, what we're looking for when we talk about cryptids on the Hidden Zoo is something that at least one person who thinks they have scientific knowledge believes exists so we can get some good silly eyewitness testimony. And boy, do we have some silly eyewitness testimony for you when we get to the Beast of Bray Road. But now I'm getting <laughs> ahead of myself. So, uh, Mothman, Blake, this is your favorite. I fucking hate Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> Mothman also fucks. Uh, yes. He, and he check does. out that fucking six-pack. Well, like, that's that's the Point Pleasant, West Virginia statue of Mothman, but the picture on the right is more like how Mothman was described by the teens who saw it in the 70s, which is a recurring theme, you'll notice. Isn't there a statue of Mothman down near where you guys live that has, like, this perfectly sculpted ass? Did I, I think that's this that? one. I think that's this one. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and that, that's the one in West Virginia, which, damn it, when the pandemic is over, if it's ever over, I really want to go to the Mothman Festival. I've been talking about doing that for years. So, sexy Well, you need metal, to get a picture so of yourself with the ass. <laughs> of course I'll get a picture of myself with the, with the Mothman ass. So I think I can, I can sum up why Blake hates Mothman uh, pretty well, because when people ask me about Mothman, I say, okay, here's the story of Mothman. Over the course of like a week, five people saw something with big red eyes, and then six months later, a bridge collapsed. That's the story of Mothman. 
like so that, that compelling. that's the stuff that you can actually trace and like find in newspaper accounts but then years after this john keel author of the mothman prophecies went to point pleasant and suddenly hundreds of new or dozens of new eyewitness uh, accounts uh, cropped out of you know, came out of who God knows where, and suddenly Mothman became a portent of doom, and the bridge collapsed not because it was failing, but because Mothman was he caused it to collapse, or was warning people that it was going to collapse. It's like it, it's it's amazing how this entire mythology was just pulled out of an ass in the mid seventies. <laughs> Mothman it distracts Rust Belt anxiety. <laughs> John, I don't think Mothman yeah. is the only creature we'll talk about today that represents. <laughs> Mothman yeah. is just distracting away from real cryptids. <laughs> yes. That's why I don't like but, stealing attention from real cryptids like, yeah. Mothman, Jer- like the Jersey oh Devil. <laughs> is Mothman the last like modern novel cryptid? Ah God, that's a tough question. Um when did when did the uh, chupacabra start coming into yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it I remember the chupacabra hitting the zeitgeist in the nineties, but yeah. uh, I don't I don't remember off the top of the Yeah, there was head. an episode yeah. of um, Dexter's was, Lab with it. Yeah. Um The Chupacabra suspiciously showed up after they started airing the movie Species in Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> Is, that's that been... explains why all those stories about the chupacabra having nipple dicks is uh... <laughs> Well, it'd be more more reasonable to find a chupacabra than it would be to call what was it? Natasha Henstrix? Who was in that movie? <laughs> oh god. No. Natasha was... Henstrix, yes. Was it? Exactly. Oh, it was. Yeah. All right. Um so Puerto Rican started seeing Forrest Whitakers all over the place. <laughs> So uh, uh, Blake loves Globsters, however, so I put his least favorite by his favorite. Tell us about Globsters. Globsters are great. What'd you, wait, what did you tell, say? I just said tell us about Globsters. Tell me? No, as you. If I did re- you tell us. You <clears throat> love Globsters. As if, I, as if I did research and have notes in front of me? Come okay, on. what are they? You it's just say a big that lump much. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Wash up on a beach. Up on shore. <laughs> it's, 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 a like, of- it's a dead. It's a dead lump. A big lump of stuff just washes up, and then people poke at it. Like and they go like, ooh, ooh, this must have been some unknown sea monster. And we've got What two- is this thing? It's all bristly and gross. We've got two pictures. The one on the left is just a random globster we found. The one on the right has a name. <gasps> its name is uh, Trunco. <gasps> That's Trunco? That's Trunco. Getting, getting poked <laughs> by getting, a, an observer? Yeah, some, some Victorian dude. So Trunco, fuck if I remember where Trunco washed up. We have an whole episode about Trunco. But, that uh, was in Africa. I think, was it, I think it was, yeah, I think South Africa? I'm pretty sure. It, uh, but uh, Trunco, people would like pose with Trunco and put Trunco's quote-unquote long neck on their shoulders. And uh, the people who know about these things are pretty sure that Trunco was a chunk of whale and the neck was its dick. South yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm looking at it and I'm like, it looks like something's <clears throat> intestinal something. Yeah, so like you got like a little Victorian five year old going, Mommy, I want to see Trunco and they just put a dead whale dick on their shoulder and get a photo taken. Look if at the dead that's the least traumatizing thing that could happen to you as a Victorian child. So right, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So globster is really we do our globster's really God, just a scientific term for a lost day at the beach, right? <laughs> Yep. When Don and I do our puppet-based cryptid program, you know Trunko's going to be in there. Oh, of course Trunko's going to be in there. Is that another pilot? That is already a pup. That is already the name of a Muppet. <laughs> does, does Bad Dragon make a Trunko uh, replica yet? Not yet. No. Um, 
Yeah, they're the, that Blake. In. You look confused. That's the uh, that's a that's a that's a giant dildo company. They make giant dildos. Not that the company's I giant. I, th- I think it's a pretty niche market for 17-inch uh, anal destroyers. But the dildos that sure are shaped are like dragon dicks. Yeah, or yeah. How, as we imagine a dragon dick might be. As you imagine a dragon dick might be. I imagine cloaca on a dragon. So, <laughs> fuck you, sir. <laughs> I believe they do make ovipositors, too, so... They do. Yeah, they do. I've seen them. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Montauk! <laughs> so, Montauk Monster, it's a raccoon, Montauk and his hair fell off. Yeah, my yeah. favorite my favorite thing about Montauk is just how much it shows that people don't know about animals. Like, <laughs> specifically cryptid hunters don't know anything about real animals. Because it's just like a half-decayed raccoon corpse. It's like, bloated. Yeah, it's it's bloated. It's lost some skin on its face. It's lost its fur, but it's just it's a partially decayed raccoon corpse. And like animals that we think of as furry or feathery, and you lose their furry furries or featheries, uh, they look weird. Um, it's one of the problems with uh, with like trying to reconstruct extinct creatures that <laughs> we have have bones and fossils for is like. Uh, there's a lot of fat deposits and other things that give animals their uh, their distinctive appearances that don't fossilize, that don't uh, decay well, or don't survive the decay process. And so it's it's entirely possible that like you know a fucking tyrannosaurus had a big long elephant trunk and we just wouldn't know because mm-hmm. it's it doesn't fossilize. Or it had a big old beer gut. Wait, no, that was an allosaurus. He had a beer gut and he wore that black and black and red checked flannel and. Not the it was not the mama. Guys, are you with me? Are you with me? There's, there's yeah. another another issue I think that the Montauk monster kind of can serve as a good example of, and that's that you know, I remember when this thing broke on the news and it was all over the internet and all over like legitimate news sites showing like this bizarre creature washed up on the shore in Montauk, Massachusetts, and Nobody's no nobody knows what it is. Some people think it's an alien. Some people think it's an undiscovered species. Some people think it's a genetic freak mutation from the nearby Plum Island Animal Disease Research Center. <laughs> but if any of those reporters had bothered to ask, like, hey, uh, zoologist at UMass, what do you think this thing is? They would have said it probably is a raccoon that the fur washed off of and is a little. They did. Bird. They had. They did a you know a big tease like after the break. Jeff Corwin Art, talks about the together. Montauk monster. And yeah, they come report, back from break, and he just yeah. goes, hey, it's a raccoon. <laughs> we, we report the part that's inter- entertaining to people, but we don't report the actual, like, substance of it. Yeah, but guys, yeah. raccoons don't have beaks. I remember that from 2010 or whenever the hell this washed up. But look, it has a beak. Yeah, facts, the, yeah, the, the sensational part of the story is what sticks in people's memories. The, the image sticks in people's memories, but the actual facts don't. And it's a, it's a textbook example of how misinformation uh, is generated and spread through, uh, through sensationalist media. Yeah, well, what, what... and a lot of the time you see, you see something weird like dead in the woods because most of us have grown up in places that are woods or rural or whatever. So it's like, okay, you see something creepy and gross and dead and you're like, that doesn't look right. That doesn't look right. It could be diseased. It mm-hmm. could be something that had a malformation of, of the spine or something. And yeah, it's going to look creepy as hell, especially after stuff has been eating it. Yeah, when me and my buddy Corey Feldman and a couple other dudes walked through the woods to poke <laughs> poke that dead corpse with a stick, um, we saw all. You got sorts a leech on your dick. Shit. Yeah, I know yeah. that one. Yeah, <laughs> and you were eating maggots. Yeah, you thought it was Balmain. Yep. I think that's 
a different Kiefer Sutherland picture. I might be wrong. <laughs> They'll blend together. Oh, you, had, you, had, you had 24 hours to save the world? Yep. <laughs> so the Loveland Man, that, Frog Man. That sexy saxophone guy's solo was so cool. <laughs> R.I.P. Best beach beach concert ever. (laughs) So the Loveland Frogman is is uh, is a fairly obscure cryptid, uh, but I've talked to a few people who are like, no, I know, I know about the Loveland Frogman. So Loveland, Ohio, nineteen what seventy, blah blah blah. Uh, Guys driving down the road, and he sees what appears to be a large humanoid frog uh, walking over the guardrail into the woods. And then a couple oh, that's what that is? That's okay. a, yeah. So, and, and you look up pictures of Loveland Frogman Loveland Frogman and you see multiple you know, I guess fan art is a good is a good word for it, of of the frog straddling the guardrail because somebody saw it just oh, I'm just gonna walk over the guardrail and go into the woods. But then another guy saw it and around the same time, and, and what I love about uh, one of the other sightings of the Loveland Frogman is the guy wasn't clear if the frogmen were under a bridge that he was driving over, on a bridge he was driving under, if they were on the bridge he was over. Like it, there, there are four ways this could go. There was a bridge, there was a man, and there were some frogs. Wait, hold on. I've, I've, I've heard this logic puzzle before. You take... The frog across first, and you leave. No, wait. No, no. no it's a it's a scorpion. It's going to kill the frog no matter what. One of the frogs says "bud," the other one says "wise," <laughs> the other one says "er," and then when you put them all together, you sell beer. But then they disappear. They are extremely old. Yes. <laughs> but here's There's the a frog that always tells the truth, and a frog that always lies. <laughs> I hate that one. I... I just like oh. this image of the frog trying to go over the guardrail because it really doesn't look like that. When you first brought that up, I thought, like, this is a frog that is just desperate for someone to turn the mechanical bull back on. <laughs> it's a frog that's just saw bars routine. It's, it's just practicing for the Olympics. He's a really big Slim Pickens fan. You just saw <laughs> Dr. Strange. Yeah! He looks like one of the gremlins without all the spikes, but he does definitely have some very prominent nipples that I'm not fond of. <laughs> yeah, all frogs have nipples. Uh, frogs are the best pole dancer I've seen this year. <laughs> <laughs> so you, got, you guys, we got to get to the best part about the Loveland Frogman is that the dude who saw three of them congregating near a bridge, as soon as he got close, they waved a magic wand out of which sparks fired and disappeared into thin air. <laughs> So he's an animagus that failed. This is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. He so you stumbled can... upon a, a production of the Muppets Harry Potter. <laughs> well, you can drink you can drink methanol, right? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Once. It's the same it's the same thing. It's just alcohol. They just make it out of wood. I don't know what the problem yeah. is. Yeah. There is ethanol. Also, it's just ethanol with an extra letter. There's a distressingly large number of cryptids from Ohio, and I don't understand why. Because uh, there's nothing else to do. Yeah, I lived there for uh, 13 years. I can confirm there's not much else to do. And that's where I got into cryptozoology. Youngstown represent. Woo. I was also going to say, this is a, that one is a pretty good example of um, one of the points that people were trying to make earlier, is that you know this, these are two different supposed sightings, but they are two markedly different looking animals. Like right, well, one of them has these big headlight eyes. Mm-hmm. One of them has fairly normal size eyes and a chin bag. Like, <laughs> just because two people saw this like same thing they can't explain doesn't mean that they saw the same thing. Well, I think I, I feel I need to point out for everyone watching the picture on the right is, uh, was taken from a, 
really grainy YouTube video that postdates the original sightings by obviously decades. Uh, it was taken taken on a phone, and it's I mean it's like the Patterson Gimlin film that's way zoomed in to an already grainy video. So okay, what is that? That could be so many fucking things. The thing on the right just looks like a reflection of headlights on water. It's just yeah. a boat, right? It's yeah. just yeah. a boat with two big spotlights up on top. Yeah. So was this- I mean. Frogs might have been involved, but you were, like, hunting for frogs. It's not, like, a frog person. Now, to be fair, and, like, to be fair to the, the people who saw the Loveland Frogmen, um, how close was this to, like, the Cuyahoga River, and at what point in the number of times that it caught fire was it? <laughs> uh, Loveland, just let me bring it, it up here in a map. Was it downstream from a TCRI facility? <laughs> Unfortunately, Loveland is near, uh, it looks like a suburb of Cincinnati. Uh, mm. So we're pretty far away from Cleveland and that general area. So lame. <laughs> okay, Van Meter Visitor. This is one this of is my new favorite one. This, this, oh, that's laser a fucking dactyl. Yeah. We, we called it the laser dactyl <laughs> because of the laser coming out of its head in the left picture, but then also, like, it has a cool magical mandala in the right picture. This is an old time, like, an old West cryptid. It's this a, one's rad. Also, it's the thing from Beastmaster. Yeah. <laughs> it lived in a mine, uh, and uh, and it flew around and shot beams of light out of its head, and they rounded up an Old West posse to go get it in the mine. Yeah, I played that RPG. Yeah. <laughs> this is 100% an Iron Maiden song. <laughs> We're so, old-timey. An old-timey battle against a laser monster. I don't know. That sounds more like Rush's oeuvre. No, it doesn't involve uh, uh, Ayn Rand at all. So, I don't know. <laughs> Unless the Van Meter Visitor would, like came out to kill poor people. It invented this... I mean, uh, the West. invented this mandala <laughs> thing and then re- uh, like retreated to a cave to keep it from the leeches, obviously. <laughs> if, I was gonna pick... on trains. <laughs> if I was going to pick any of these to make an asylum film about, it would be this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you know what I kind of love about it that just hit me is this thing was supposedly so violent, they rounded up a bunch of dudes with guns to kill it, but they're also so wedded to alliteration that they just called it the visitor. He just <laughs> he just came to a visit. He just came to see is, how we were doing. That's how the is story Is he my goes, period? Right? They yes. should have called, <laughs> They could have called it the Van Meter Violator, but that also sounds like <laughs> one of the uh, Golden State Killers monikers. That, yeah, that's a, that's or a Todd a, McFarlane character. Or a large dildo. That also <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, cool. Bad Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> you think we could get Casper Van Deem to play the sheriff? Uh, for like $5 and a pack of cigarettes, I'm pretty sure we can get Casper Van Deem to do almost anything. Is he on Cameo? Jesus, I gotta look it up. <laughs> All I'm saying is I want to play a campaign where this is the you know the final boss. Like, I don't care if it's Call of Cthulhu. I don't care if it's, like, Deadlands or something. I want to play this game. <laughs> I can... I'm happy to run that game. We have been talking about a periodically recording episodes of the show that are live play uh, podcasts anyway. So, if you want, oh, yes. if if we, if you like to be part of that, I can't think of any. I can't think of any prominent actual play podcasts that have done a season or so on cryptids. Neither uh, can as a I. Major theme. Neither can um, I. Yes, the Adventure Zone. That was a joke. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with. Oh, that. oh sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm busy over here looking at Casper Van Dien. <laughs> is he? Is he on cameo? 
I'm getting there. I'm trying to type. <laughs> but hey, get there later Swing because Denise, this was I'd the like one. No this was the story that you told us not that long ago. We're at your slide, Denise. I did. I know. I'm. I have the thing in front of me, my dude. Okay. I got it. All right. <laughs> All right, so this is the Fresno Nightcrawler. It is just a fucking pair of pants. Yes. <laughs> just a pair of pants that someone supposedly got on their fucking uh, blurry, terrible uh, CCTV in the middle of the night, and they're like, oh, man, this has got to be a monster or some shit. No, we know better. It's 1993, bitch. We know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Dr. Seuss story. Yeah. There's a legit <laughs> Dr. Seuss story about a pair of pants that's just, like, running through the city. Yep, which but, is yeah. actually, which is ironic, because every time I see these things, I think of um, one of, like, the hallucinations Eucharias has in Halloween is Grinch Night. <laughs> <laughs> I think of that, you know that picture? I wish I could bring it up, but I'm already screen sharing. Of the, like the white cat with the black eyes that's got its hands like this. That's like a, a meme thing. It's like a weird looking, is it, like, is it hanging in there, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can pull it up on my tablet, but we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, why is it named after an X-Men character? Um, good question. Also wore pants. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, no, no, I know Kurt Kurt uh, didn't tend to wear pants. He wore a full-body leotard, so it doesn't mm-hmm. even make sense on that level. Uh, Unless I, he's being fancy and trying to hit up uh, with uh, magic. or and, and sometimes he wore a priest robe, because sometimes he's a priest and sometimes he's not. Yeah. This is what I was talking about. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That yeah, cat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one. Yeah, that one. Uh, the meme I, I really hope that this really was just like a kid who bought a really big pair of sweatpants. <laughs> Pulled them up over his head and was like, "I'm gonna. This is gonna be great." And just showing off his cool Jenko jeans. <laughs> Acid washed all to hell. You know Acid he's not. Washed oh shit! Yeah, if we had if we had better resolution on this uh, camera, we could definitely see the sweet wallet chain. Yes. <laughs> But the bad resolution is why it's a monster it, and yes. not just a dude in pants. I know. I know. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Oh, uh, this is one of my favorites. So this, obviously, Albert Osman is not a cryptid. This is an actual sure? dude. Al- I, I'm not so sure about that. I, this guy <laughs> looks pretty... Photos are pretty blurry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that could be some swamp gas. It could be, reflecting off of Venus. Uh, so Albert Osman was, uh, he was, he was an old timey prospector. Like, like this story that he told fucking 60 years after it supposedly happened in the 1920s was a story of him going out into the woods in British Columbia with a bag and a pickaxe to find him a gold mine. He was going to find the mother load until he was bundled up in his backpack or in, in his sleeping bag by a Sasquatch, like that scene in Jason X and just like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and carried like over the hill and through the woods to the Sasquatch's house and uh and spent like weeks living with a family of four Sasquatches uh a uh like a man and his wife and then their their two kids a boy and a girl and you know he lived with them he tried to communicate with them he 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 was trying to get the big daddy Bigfoot interested in his snuff box. Uh, and, and at one point telling this story as an old man, 60 years later felt the need to relay to us how unattractive both of the female Sasquatches were like the, the, the one that the mom was like built like a brick shit house and had saggy tits. He wasn't into that. 
and the daughter was like obviously like a tween like she just was like she was a girl because she didn't have a dick but she was shaped like a little boy and so he wasn't into that either like to this guy was not- he negging sasquatches he's like <laughs> yeah. yeah man i didn't want to fuck you anyway it's like yo so i'm <laughs> albert osman and women are such sex objects to me that even female like bigfoots i can only see them in terms of the sex they might or might not bring to me He's just uh, trying too hard to throw you off the trail. Pendulous breasts? Uh, <laughs> yes, actually, he did. He, I don't think he used the word pendulous, like is always to use describing uh, the the Patterson Gimlin film. But he did talk about how saggy Mom Bigfoot's breasts were, and he managed to escape by convincing Daddy Sasquatch to snort a bunch of his uh, his snuff. And then ran away while Daddy Sasquatch was dealing with that. And luckily, they didn't chase him. And then, 60 years later, it was like, hey, everybody, I was kidnapped by uh, uh, two male Bigfoots and two really unattractive lady Bigfoots in the 1920s and never bothered to tell anyone about it. I got to so, remember that as an excuse next time I get arrested for coke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I man, it's not for me. Question. It's just to scare away the Bigfoots. <laughs> I have at least one question. Did he have any comments on how gnarly the Bigfoot dick was? Because if he's not into the big, Bigfoot ladies. You know, he didn't mention it that that I saw, and I read large swaths of his first-person account. Uh, he <laughs> He's not – Albert Osman's not gay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jesus. I uh, I believe his, his account, his encounter was uh, later adapted into the book. How did the fuck? Bigfoot, so. who, just, who just made that noise? <laughs> I think Blake's computer finally restarted. (laughs) (laughs) It did. Yay. (laughs) All right. Um, So, oh, this is a good one. You want to talk about sexy beasts? Mm. Yes, I do. Finally, the reason I got up today. So, uh, I I love Thriller, too. Yeah. So the Beast of Bray Road is uh, one of many werewolves slash dogmen. Like, there's a whole website dedicated just to dogmen seen in the state of Michigan. Yeah, it's uh, called Fur Affinity. <laughs> <laughs> is that still up? Yes. But the Beast, well, the beast of Bray Road, um, I, I have this quote here. And, uh, um, Blake, I know you're familiar with this quote because... We had to mm-hmm. include this dude. So this was a sighting of the Beast of Bray Road, who is a beast that lives on or near Bray Road. Um, it has been an address for this guy, and they haven't found him. No, no, <laughs> it's a long. His mail road. keeps getting yeah. sent back. <laughs> it's a rural, rural route. Yeah, it's hard. So uh, this, this, this first-person statement from a guy who was driving down Bray Road with his wife, of course, asleep in the passenger seat in 1987, has been edited for length. But not for content, as you will soon (laughs) see why. I could see massive legs, gigantic calves and thighs, hairy butt cheeks, no (laughs) tail. It was facing north, torso bent forward at the waist, about 18 inches. I couldn't see its head yet. Now I'm really scared. Must be a squatch. It turned around to face me. It was no squatch. Let me say, at this point, it never stood totally erect or stopped leaning forward throughout the experience. It had no facial hair, although the head was covered in hair. All around its face was clean. No wolf head. Wolf ears with a tuft like a lynx. Large eyeballs, slightly jaundiced, with what looked like red spider veins surrounding pupils. They were bulging out of sockets, slightly glowing from within, like it had a light bulb in its head. It had a short muzzle, 
maybe an inch and a half, not like a dog, all skin, not covered in hair, bright pink, human type mouth, two or three times wider than a person's outlined in red, like lipstick, no hair, no hair on chest, two visible nipples, sparse hair on stomach, all pink, super six pack abs, no visible reproductive organs. Well, now so this guy, you. this is like you're reading from the missed connections. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this was a commission. <laughs> so, you were reading a deer on the side of the road. I was in the car. <laughs> you had a hairless ass and nipples. <laughs> I noticed your mouth. <laughs> I'm worried you may have jaundice. <laughs> Call I'm me. Distressed by how inaccurate these <laughs> these representations are, because the actual creature that was described in that screed that you read is really interesting sounding, and neither of these looks like it has a light bulb in its head. I know. The one on the right looks like a shot from a Goosebumps episode. But you know, if uh, <laughs> one thing I remember from reading the science of Star Wars in high school is that uh, like Jawas, if they're if your eyes give off light, you're probably not seeing too well. Yeah, you're blind. Right. If uh, it's like if your ears were constantly giving out sound, so you know. <laughs> what a monster that's ears constantly <laughs> scream. <laughs> so, but yeah, just uh, we we love this one specifically because at least one eyewitness really wanted to fuck it. Just like, <laughs> hey, honey, honey, did you see that sexy? What? Oh no, you didn't see it. Oh damn! It had lipstick. It did a bunch of fucking crunches all day long. It does. I think it does CrossFit actually. Here's an 11 minute monologue about his nipples. <laughs> Obese nipples. Let me describe the ways in which you make my penis erect as you were that fateful night. <laughs> no, he has no visible genitalia. I want to just again reemphasize. That was the edited version. Yeah. <laughs> he went on for another five fucking minutes about this thing. And its Austin feet. Let me wolf. Come on. Let me tell you about its succulent beast feet. <laughs> Not big like Sasquatch, but clawed. Not dog feet. No. Not like do- dog. No. Skin. Dogs don't have skin. Don't have skin. What? Not like a dog. Is he from Silent Hill? Dogs don't have skin? I feel like dogs definitely have skin. Yeah. Not like a dog. I wasn't just yes. lusting no, after this not like dog. A dog. This dog was. All anyway, right, so. I, think, I think this eyewitness description of the Beast of Bray Road stacks up easily against the, the finest of love poetry that has ever been written. Yeah, um, uh, really. His eyes are nothing like the sun. Yeah. The dark <laughs> they lady. They have a lamp in them. They glow as if illuminated from within. I definitely put peanut butter on his dick and went back to Bray Road looking. <laughs> And if you drive down Bray Road today, you might still see him standing there with peanut butter on his dick, waiting. <laughs> All right, but that's so, for personal reasons. So the the skunk ape. I personally love to talk about the skunk ape because the guy on the right is named Dave Shealy. I have met him. I have conversed with him at the skunk ape research headquarters in uh, in middle of nowhere, Florida, which is right behind him in that in that photograph. The uh, the 
very skilled rendition on the left is what he <laughs> what he he drew that as the cover of his uh, Skunk Ape Field Guide that they have they've been sold out for a while. Last time I went, which was just last summer, about a year ago, uh, they were sold out of the Field Guide, and I, I was uh, really sad, so I bought a T-shirt and a magnet instead. He wasn't there that time. I've been here three times. What you have to understand about the uh, the Skunk Ape Research Headquarters is it's smack in the middle of Florida along Highway 41, I want to say. Uh, it, basically, 41, Highway 41 is the circumcision scar of the Florida <laughs> dick. It just cuts from one side to the other. And right in the middle, uh, surrounded on all sides by Indian reservations, is Dave Sheely and the Skunk Ape Research Headquarters. Now, if you've watched Tiger King, there is a brief clip of this at the very, very beginning. Uh, and they are carrying out a large snake, and there is a redneck who looks like uh, uh, just like one of the pinheads from the Circus Freaks movie. It's a shiny, bald, like sun-baked brown skin. That guy ruled. He is dead now. Unfortunately, as I learned last time I visited, he passed away. He was insane. So the Skunk Ape Research Research Headquarters and Campground uh, is a campground that has a skunk ape gift shop behind which is an exotic animal petting zoo. And it's it's, it's reptiles and birds. Uh, It's not like – it's not a – it's not nearly as bad as the fucking Tiger King Zoo. And the first time I went to this place, because I fucking had to go. We're in the neighborhood. Why not? We're on a road trip. Let's go do crazy shit. I walk in. There's Dave Sheely. And Dave Sheely comes up to me. He's like, hey, you ever heard of the skunk ape? I'm like, fuck yeah, I heard of the skunk ape. Why the fuck else do you think I'm here? I'm playing. Like, I'm, I'm being nice to him. Like, I'm not being like, fuck your skunk ape, dumbass. Like, I'm, I'm humoring him. I'm generally not a dick in person, uh, even if I think he's ridiculous. <laughs> And he tells he tells me how uh, yeah you know it's a, it's a Discovery Channel's really interested in it. We filmed sixty episodes of a series about me hunting for the skunk ape. Which like one dude, that's not how the pilot process works. Um, <laughs> two, that was ten years ago, and this show still hasn't aired. Uh, and uh, and he's like yeah, so you know I, I asked him like how, when was the last time you were out in the bush looking for the skunk ape? And he says so you know. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I got a call from one of the reservations because when the Native Americans see a skunk ape, they know to call me because I'm the authority in the area. They call me up. And, and some of the some of the uh, Indians, they saw a, a family of skunk apes in a grove of alder trees. And I went out and by the time I got there, they were gone. But and like so this this and I've, I've told the story before. If you listen to the skunk ape episode of our show, you will hear it again. If you've been to this this panel before, <laughs> you you have heard it before. Um, here's what I think happened. Because unlike Dave Sheely, I respect the modern humanity of Native Americans who live on reservations and don't just assume that uh, they believe in cryptids. I think it was a slow night in the rec room at the reservation. And one of the guys like, hey, hey, Jim, it's fucking boring tonight. You want to call that fucking white guy again? (laughs) Fuck yeah, let's do it. So they pick up the phone and like uh, rings, it's ringing, it's ringing. Oh, 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 he's picking up. Hello. I mean, I mean, how pale face? Yes. Um, skunk, yes. Skunk ape. We need help uh, from from white man. We have seen big. God, fucking shut up, guys. He's buying it. We have seen heap big skunk ape family in Alder Grove. Oh, at least six of them. Uh, yes. Come, come help. Stop laughing, dude. Stop laughing. Yes, please come help. Click. He's coming. He fucking bought it again. Jesus, I can't believe that guy. So that's what I think happened. But anyway, uh, back to when I when I, when I visited. Before we move on to yeah, that, from yeah. that, to make the the legit point here, um, 
This is a story from uh, Native American legend is the origin mm-hmm. story for a distressingly large number of American cryptids mm-hmm. and, uh, and cryptids in the Americas in general. Um, and uh, and ties into a whole lot of, of uh, you know, stereotypes and, and dumb nonsense. Yeah, misunderstandings, noble savage bullshit. It's, it's yeah, never... Yeah, there's a whole lot of... Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, attachments, like the spiritual attachment to land and so forth. Um, like... And they can almost never give an accurate description of which tribe this might be. Oh. They're like, oh yeah, Native American shit, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, no, they don't... And it's, it's not a fucking it, monolith. It's never clear if the thing that the white people attach themselves to actually existed at some point in a Native American uh, a spiritual sense, or there is a thing that vaguely fits the beast that they're hunting for that they are projecting their sensibilities onto, or if they just made it up and yeah. and they found like one Indian who's like you know fucking whatever, sure, yeah. Yeah, we totally. Uh, we, we need to. We can't. Whenever we're dealing with folklore and and especially with the the legacy of colonialism um we can't forget that there is always an element of natives fucking with white people (laughs) these stories um because you know if someone's coming in being like oh tell me tell me all your stories or whatever it's like yeah why wouldn't you it's (laughs) when you're when you're the college kid coming back down to the junior high or whatever they're like oh what's college like yeah you're gonna fuck with them because you can (laughs) well and so much of uh the cryptid stories that you hear are also either grounded in some sense of trying to convince ourselves that we didn't destroy an entire culture that was here before us or destroy the environment. And we want to believe there's still some mystery to the world that Mm -hmm. we didn't just absolutely rape the land. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it, 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 you can have some sympathy when you hear those stories. Cause yeah, I'd like to believe that there's, uh, the ivory-billed woodpecker still exists and that we didn't drive it into extinction and kill its habitat. But sadly, we did. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a way of absolving guilt. All right, let's, uh, we have, we're down to 45 minutes. Let's rocket through the rest of these cryptids. All right. You were going to finish your skunk ape story? No, nah, it was just that he, he, he dragged me into the back of the petting zoo without paying the $5 oh. fee. Um, he's like, he, he looks around like he heard something. He goes, follow me. And he motions and he runs through the turnstile. <laughs> I follow through. And the thing that was so important that I had to follow him for was he was spraying a dog with a hose. Um, it <laughs> in the butt by the Bigfoot researcher. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then his buddy, the cool ass bald toothless redneck was like, Hey, 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 come, come, come pet the snakes. Come play with the snakes. And we're like, my friend and I were about to leave. And he was like, no, you haven't held this snake yet. And we're like, fucking yeah, we'll hold all the snakes before we go. Why not? No, you haven't held this. Snake yeah. Yet. So, but yeah, that guy's dead. And it's, it's really sad because he's a crazy old redneck, but he was very nice to us and he took very good care of the animals. So, all right. But his legacy lives on in the opening shot of Tiger King, doesn't it? It's true. It's true. So, Jersey Devil. What to say about the Jersey Devil except Jesus Christ? People at some point actually believe this thing existed. This is just Joe Camel's inbred cousin. (laughs) I like its spindly little back legs. Yeah. Like. The, and the, torso. I like that it has spindly little back legs that can't possibly support its weight, and then front legs that can't possibly reach the ground. It's, <laughs> it's like a it's like a camel, horse, greyhound, bat. I don't know. It's uh, it is. I mean, there was there was we, there was a, like a giant crane that was nesting in that those woods, and like eight people saw it and didn't know what the hell it was. Yeah, no, I, CB, it was a, it was a child. A witch had a baby, and it crawled up and out <laughs> uh, up and out the chimney. 
And uh, this is what it came. This is what it was. Uh, <laughs> fuck with your reasonable explanations. Get out of here. <laughs> and that, named after this fucking thing. A professional sports yes. league. <laughs> well, hey, it, the hockey hockey loves its cryptids because Seattle just got the Kraken. Kraken. Yeah. Hey, better than racist names. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next. The, the thing about oh, the Jersey Devil, and I, I, I don't want to belabor it too much, but the Jersey Devil is a neat like intersection of folkloric like origin stories for things like it's you know it's it's an old creature and it shows the the that the cryptozoological creatures are not really any different from other mythology it's just that we kind of divide them off in a way to talk about them in the modern age it's also neat that it's not just like a simple hey two things mashed together uh, it's like four things mashed together. <laughs> I have at least one question about cryptids in Ray uh, hockey teams. What? Um, and I don't know if it's hockey or not because I'm bad at sports. What is gritty? Oh, gritty. Uh, gritty is Antifa. Yeah, that's what gritty yeah. is Antifa. But, yeah, but that's not a cryptid. Gritty is of Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you've ever, if you've watched all six, seven, eight Rocky movies, if you count the Creed ones, you would understand gritty in a heartbeat. I just I don't know what to tell you. Um, okay, Blake. Tell <laughs> yes. us. I think you're the one. I think can tell us most about Stellar Sea Ape. Oh, uh, it's a caricature of the asshole captain. Yeah. So the dude, dude uh, I forget his first name, but Stellar was a zoologist. There are a bunch of different animals named after him, and uh, sea cows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stel- the sea cow and the blue jay. Yeah. On the right is the, the picture. On the right is Stellar Sea Cow, which. Uh, was apparently so fucking delicious that it was hunted to extinction. It lived up uh, around the Aleutian Islands, like in Siberia, near where the Bering Strait was. And it was just so fucking good that natives and white people alike just ate it to death. And mm. and oh, then the uh, Stellar Sea Ape was, uh, he just described the captain of the boat he was on for this expedition and wrote it in the book as Stellar Sea Ape. And people think, <laughs> people think that it was, that it's like a thing that he actually saw when it's, it's like 99%. He was just like making fun of this shitty asshole captain. So <laughs> that's the story of Stellar Sea Ape. What's next? Ah, uh, the Mammoth of Magic Valley. This is another one that has ties to, uh, like, bullshit Native American legends. So uh, Magic Valley is an area in Idaho, and this thing's... To be clear, yes. not bullshit Native American legends, but Native Bu- American yes. legends that probably aren't real right, Native right. American so, legends, like, but right, bullshit like, things. Like yes, people. bullshit things that white people say about Native American legends. Like, the, the, there are only two, uh, there are only two, you can see them here, two cryptozoologists who actually buy that this is a real thing, Jeff McManus and Kevin Cardellini, and they insist that it's called uh, Yakawawi, which is what the Shoshone Indians call call this ancient beast that they've seen for years and years. But, like, the only two recorded actual sightings of it uh, in Idaho, um, teens in the fucking 70s. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, I, I, actually, I have, their, I have their names on this one. Barry Mondale, Maurice Mondale, uh, two brothers, and Maurice's girlfriend, Robin. Uh, they saw this thing in 1972 near an abandoned gravel mine. Uh, and then, like, in 2003 or four or something, like, an unnamed married couple saw it in the Sawtooth Mountains. So uh, I only have one question, and it's, um, did the Mondales actually watch uh, Sesame Street? Because that's just fucking snuffy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's what I thought, too. Like, um, it's, it, uh, it's slightly creepier than snuffy. Like, it's like, it's like nightmare know, snuffy. Man. <laughs> I, and it doesn't look very, very, like, it's not a very good mammoth drawing. Um, but, like, th- this, is a, this is one where, like, um, 
People, uh, cryptozoologists talk about Bigfoot will say, well, look, the uh, gorilla, we didn't know about it until the early 20th century. And so, of course, there could be a Bigfoot. And the one that they, that these guys pull out of their ass for this one is this actual, actual science. There were some uh, mammoths on Wrangell Island above the Arctic Circle who survived until as recently as 4,000 years ago. Like the most recent bones and teeth we have are mammoths that were still around well after the pyramids were built. So it's like, yeah, oh, obviously that they could exist in Idaho too, because they existed on an Island that was, <laughs> that stayed cold much longer. You know what I mean? Uh, where they weren't hunted also by, uh, by the early native Americans. So, uh, mammoth, the magic Valley, um, some more, some more ignorant white man shit. What do we got? I mean, is it a mammoth or is it a mastodon? That's a very good question. Well, um, it would have to be a mammoth. Mastodons were East. We have mastodons in Indiana. Okay, so, so yeah. my next question then is, how do we tell because... Yeah, wait, um, hold on a second. Hold on a second. That's where we're going to draw the line. <laughs> oh, it, it has to be a mammoth because... Good point. Good yeah, point. Yes. How much do its teeth look like nipples? That's the question because <laughs> mastodon means nipple teeth. Yeah. <laughs> wait, does it really? Yes. Yes. The guy who Think named it, it was like, oh, yeah, nipple teeth. And I'm like, what a fucking perv. <laughs> Ma- mas- mastectomy? Yeah. Don, Don, yeah, odontologist, orthodontist, yeah, yeah nipple teeth, yeah, yeah, it's weird, yeah, Man, it's like how awesome. the Grand Tetons are named the Big Titty Mountains. I mean, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> <My hero now. laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move forward to the Beast of Busco, Indiana Cryptid, and uh, I included this one because it's from Indiana, uh, Churubusco, Indiana, to be specific, and because it's one of my very favorite stories of a guy who put his fucking money where his mouth is, where he's like, there's this giant turtle, humongous turtle. Uh, and the Beast of Busco, if it existed, was just a turtle that was larger than this guy was used to. Um, so it was on a lake in his farm, on a pond in his farm, and he's like, nobody fucking believes me. They all think I'm a moron. So I'm going to turn my tractor into a pump, and I'm going to drain the entire pond to a second location, to, to and I'll find this fucking turtle. And he did. And As he, real snapping turtles are scary enough, you mm-hmm. don't need to make it big. He, I uh, want to... Uh, as I was going through these, because I hadn't, I wasn't super familiar with a lot of these when we when we started prepping for this. Um, the Beast of Busco is, I think, one of the ones that's that's the most believable, because I guarantee, uh, you know, I don't know how many people watching are familiar with Chance the Snapper, the alligator that was loose in uh, Chicago, the Chicago area last year. Um, but I guarantee, if if Chance the Snapper had not been caught and verified to exist. Um, by actual, like, alligator wranglers, by competing alligator wranglers, it would have become a legend like the Beast of Busco. Well, and especially when you consider just that a, it's just snapping, a, turtle, snapping turtles already exist in Indiana, so you don't even have to transport it out of its native area. Right. And yeah. turtles live to be, like, 100 years old, too. Yeah, and they're huge. Like, if you've, yeah. been, you know, if you've seen an alligator snapping turtle at the zoo or the, the aquarium... I saw one big. at the uh, Skunk Ape Research Headquarters. There we go. They're fucking terrifying. <laughs> yes, yeah. huge. I will say that this little drawing, though, is the cutest goddamn thing I've ever seen. He looks like he's like... Ah! Hello, friend. <laughs> I also yeah, I like think some artist right, it's, it's uh, carved very... their initials into his shell. Yeah. Hey, I need to cut in, guys. Uh, apparently, um, I swore up and down I marked this as 18 plus when I submitted it, but we are getting a uh, we have received a complaint from Gen Con admin that it's only marked 13 and up, so we should watch the language. Sorry about that. Right. Yeah. Nah. So that's well, going to make this one really hard to describe. This is going to make this one hard to talk about. 
Yeah, people are listening. Uh, yeah, people are watching the live stream. So the the Enfield Horror from Illinois, right, John? You covered this yeah. one, you guessed on the so show. So I'll, I'll read this just straight out of the newspaper that covered it in 1973. Um, Dateline Enfield, Harry McDaniel says he shot and wounded a monster on his doorstep and is worried that it might come back to get even. Quote, <laughs> it had three legs on it, McDaniel said. A short little body, two little arms, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. And it stood four and a half to five feet tall and was grayish colored. Um, so beyond that, what we know is that this guy, Harry McDaniel, came home to his home in deep, deep, deep southern Illinois, about 400 miles away from Chicago. And at 930 at night, he gets home and he um, says he was coming home from a meeting. And I don't know what kind of meeting that would have been, but I can tell you that the uh, Enfield Temperance <laughs> League wasn't meeting at 930 at night. <laughs> um, so he says he's inside his house and he see hears this like noise outside and he throws open the door and he sees this horrifying little monster standing on his front door trying to get in of course being a southern illinois redneck he grabs his 22 rifle and tries to shoot it he is 100 percent convinced that he hit it and he says as a point of pride yes i know i got it because you know it's one thing to soil your pants at the sight of a monster in Southern Illinois, but it's another thing to miss a shot. You yep. make your shots if you live in the country. So he says that instead of falling down, though, after he hit it, it jumped away like a wildcat and sprung away into some bushes. It took three big jumps, and I don't know how, because if you look at the creature here, it looks like it's got one big pogo stick leg and then <laughs> the vestigial arms coming out of its butt. So, Well, and then it's got like one grasping arm too. Like it's got a strong, <laughs> one strong arm and one strong leg. And then the little dangly useless rubber hose arms. <laughs> and then like, what's, what's like remarkable, about, what's remarkable about this is that like later versions of the story also said like, while he was away at his meeting, his whole family was being terrorized by this thing and it had been scraping at the outside of the house and trying to get in. And it had even, like, said, he said it even tried to remove a window mounted air conditioner unit to mm-hmm. climb into the house. It because, was you know, hot. If I it have, was, if I have just... little T Rex arms, I'm going to, best <laughs> way I can think to get in is to remove a 50 pound air conditioner from a window. He might I have really jumped on top of it. it looks either like a, a, a Ray Harryhausen stop motion creature. <laughs> Or a miniature from, like, a really expensive miniature for an RPG. Or you drew, you drew the Return of the Jedi Rancor from memory. Yeah. <laughs> Fact. Hey, Blake, can you, like, float to your bosses the idea of rebooting Jaws for the Revenge with this guy? Because that was the plot that I just heard. And I need to see this guy following Michael Caine to the Bermuda Triangle or whatever. <laughs> you know, there was a whole, there was a voodoo shark... There was a voodoo priest subplot that was cut. <laughs> I thought you said voodoo shark, and I'm like, I am more you interested now shark. in anything that you've ever said. Yeah, originally, it, originally it was a voodoo shark <laughs> because the uh, the last starfighter kid had some beef with a local voodoo gentleman, and so he sent a voodoo shark after his family. <laughs> I'm also just so disturbed by this creature because, like, all of its legs are on one side of its body. (laughs) It is is a very two-dimensional creature. Mm. It's like one of those... That's a pretty standard vertebrate body plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of God's special creations. 
It's a land flounder. So it was, lots of vertebrates. It lots was of born vertebrates have radial symmetry. Yeah, it was born with bilateral symmetry, and then the arms migrated to the other side as it developed. Right, so, and of course, five. there's five of them. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So of course, you get some reasonable explanations, like, oh, it was a monkey that escaped from the zoo that was actually trying to get into the house, and McDaniel was just <laughs> drunk. Or you also get some like it's a a secret uh, government creation monster, and then you also get like discussions about how it's an alien. And honestly, if this thing is an alien and it's of a higher intelligence, then I think we need to be very, very concerned that our front line of defense against these higher beings is just gun-toting rednecks who I honestly wouldn't trust to open a door for me. Have you seen Independence well, Day? I would who say saved our, the day? Who saved the day? I would say our first, our first line of defense is air conditioners, plainly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get past it. Yep. It's like one of those things where a child draws something and then a professional artist like, yes. creates their drawing <laughs> in a photorealistic style. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. We got half an hour. We got to Okay. So the bunyip, uh, I, uh, Tom. You um, have the sound? Yeah. Um, on your When you share Ooh. screen, did you click the uh, share oh, computer okay. sound as well with that? Stop that real quick here, and I'll, I'll try to get that going again. Yeah, because we have to – This we'll talk about the bunyip while he's working on it. Um, the bunyip is an Australian cryptid, which is, as you can see by the two radically different drawings, no one's quite sure what it looks like. Uh, but yeah. a couple of guys on an episode of one of those crypto shows were pretty damn sure they knew what it sounded like. So let's see if this plays. Oh! <laughs> and uh, – Oh! Oh! <laughs> Oh. Oh. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I have so many comments, but we're 13 plus. I know. If you want if you want to hear the comments, listen to the Bunyip episode of the podcast because oh. we make all of them and more. I also just have these on a playlist and use them regularly as we record the show because they're just too good to not use occasionally. Um, I appreciate. I still haven't figured out how to make that my message alert sound on my phone. Because <laughs> I want, I want whenever Don, whenever Don texts me, I want my phone to go. Well, what like if you're in public the and right. there's a bunyip? Then what? Then he's going to be a millionaire. Then I get all the attention. Yeah. <laughs> This picture on the right here is like Dr. Seuss drawing an H.R. Geiger creature. <laughs> yeah. It's Giger, Tom. It's Giger. Is it Giger? Yeah. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. It is. Blake has a cat named Giger. Is it? And don't worry. Nobody at, the, nobody at the vet's office can pronounce it either. <laughs> What's hey, up I with the head like... lamp? Is it, does it have an idea? Is it beaming out things? No, it's, it's just, uh, it, it can co-reproduce. It, it, it can reproduce with the Beast of Busco, but it, but it has sterile offspring. <laughs> so what, what is the story of the bunya? Um, I don't remember. I just, I just put it in here. <laughs> literally, literally because of the sounds, I put it, uh, I put it in here. So the bunyip, like, so I did, I did try to like do a quick bit of research for all of these before we, we did our, our, we, finalize this powerpoint and we appreciate it from australia uh i remember that it's attributed to aboriginal groups in australia so same same thing we do here what same thing we do here same thing white people in america do right that's colonialism um and uh and that it's like that there's obviously a variety of different stories that may or may not be connected um and it sounds like it's more of a, a generalized term for creatures sometimes it gets translated as demon 
um, but just kind of like a, uh, I don't even know what a, what an example would be like of a, an anglicized version of that, like a generalized term haint or spook or whatever that's, that's talking about like just a general uh, creature or beast. No, I bet, of, I bet goblin used to be like that until D and D got a hold of it. And, or like, I guess until um, Tolkien decided like, this is what a goblin is. Yeah, I know it lives in swamps, and I assume it's uh, kind of like like a kelpie or something like that because it just drags people down and eats them. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right, next. Maybe we could talk about the sound for another twenty minutes. <laughs> I can yeah. just listen to it over and over again. Tom, what's next? What's the next get it one more hour. time. One more time. One last time. Oh, yeah. There we go. All right, so we got some compas here. That's the good stuff. Sounds like a really bad, bad try at doing a tortoise noise. <laughs> I thought it was more of like a like a clip from Kung Pao Enter the Fist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely just a guy sound like if his like brand of beer was on sale. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh they got MGD sixty four. That's a Michelob Ultra kind of sound. <laughs> All right, Tom, is that are, are you having technical issues on your end? No, mine. I'm on Kappa. Is it not? Is it not it's sharing? Do I need to? No, we're still seeing Bunny. Okay. All right, go back. Sorry. Let's try that again. So oh, now, yeah, with the the there we go. The Kappa. Go. Which this is uh, one. This is the kind of thing we don't normally talk about. But we had a guest on uh, Jess a year or so back. Who had to bring this because uh, it's it's not generally assumed to exist. It is an example of Japanese yokai, like a Japanese kind of demon. Uh, but why do we talk about it? Because in the picture on the right, you can see the kappa trying to stick its tongue up a dude's butthole. And in kappa mythology, that's what they do. They have arms that stretch, but like one arm stretches and it shortens the other arm, so they just kind of pull back and forth. And they they try to reach their arms up into your butt because you have a magical ball in your butt called a shiri kodama, and they're trying to steal your magical butt dragon ball. <laughs> that's what they do and uh the the way to beat a kappa is to spill the water out of the bowl that you can see in its head like it has like a tonsure but that's that's like water and an indentation on its head uh you spill that and they are stunned and then you can run away and i also would like to point out that realizing that kappa look like Ninja Turtles and incorporating that into the plot of Ninja Turtles three is like incredibly inspired on the point on the part of that screenwriter. Like we're going to send them back in time. Oh yeah. They look kind of like Kappa. Let's uh, let's just put that in there. Everybody thinks they're Kappa and they're going to, and they're going to fight the daimyo. So they look kind of like something, but none of it very good. <laughs> I'm just saying that now I'm never going to look at fanfic for Ten- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Cause <laughs> No thanks, I'm good. Those, the turtles are frightening in the third one. You have a radical Shiri Kodama. Can I get my hands on that? <laughs> it's really, it's totally rad how your face doesn't animate at all. <laughs> Splinter, you sound way different and I can only see you from the waist up. <laughs> Casey, why are you never actually in the shot with us ever? I love that movie, actually. I, I do really like the third one. But Okay, I believe this is the last one on the list of cryptids before we move into a couple of the themes that we've oh, noticed cow? recording these. Uh, and then we're going to talk about some real animals uh, for the last 25 minutes or so. The Greek sound cow, 
uh, was a ghost cow that was seen wandering around an area. I forget what fucking state Grigstown was in. God, language, yeah. John. Sorry, language. I forget what state Grigstown was in. Let me let me Google Grigstown. Grigstown cow. I just wanted to say it like because there isn't much story behind this one. Is it uh, New Cali Jersey? It's, it's Jersey. Grigstown, New Jersey. Uh, people saw a ghostly cow wandering around, uh, and um, uh, not coincidentally, uh, through some. Uh, near some uh, cow pasture, because as it turned out, uh, the news stories talked about the ghost cow, and then somebody found it, and it was just a cow that was, like, further away from the pasture than the other cows. <laughs> so how did they get it into their heads that it was a ghost cow? Because uh, nobody had ever seen a cow that far from the pasture. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a cow? <laughs> Would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for that rancher and those kids. I know old man McGinty was just trying to keep him away from the well while the gold was buried. <laughs> so I love I love this one. I did a whole episode of this one where I dramatized it and revealed to Blake. Uh, yeah, it was just a cow. It was literally just a cow that was further away than it should have been from other cows. And some dude was like, oh, no. Oh, it's a ghost cow. How John, can I, is this, this real is what you're saying? Yes. John, is this creature in Fallout 76 too? <laughs> Probably. Ghost cow seems like every cryptid is in Fallout seventy six, but I haven't played it because apparently it's very bad. It Spectral is. ghost cow. Oh, okay. We have Riley. Riley here talks about uh, in that picture. Uh, the man is farting on the kappa. Farting on a kappa is also a way to escape them besides tricking them into bowing to spill the water on their head. Thank you for that. I mis uh, misinterpreted that picture. I interpreted it in light of my own <laughs> faulty assumptions. Try to look yeah. back around to the beginning. So uh, there, there are two very weird things that come up time and again as Blake and I are recording a podcast about cryptids. Uh, the first one is the idea of small town cryptids. Uh, there are oh back back there we go. There we go. The, the, there are towns across America who identify themselves with a fake animal that does not exist. So we've got the Beast of Busco and Mothman that we've talked about. The third one there is uh, the Hodag. Oh yeah, the hodag. The hodag from Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Uh, bottom left is Raystown Ray from Pennsylvania, uh, and then in the middle is uh, Bessie, which is a Lake Erie sea monster. Uh, but the sculpture isn't called Bessie. The sculpture is called Lemmy in Huron. Um, this is this is uh, uh, another hockey team named after a cryptid. Uh, the Cle- it's not named after the guy from uh, oh fuck no Motorhead? Motorhead no yeah but the, the there's a minor league hockey team the Cleveland Monsters named after Bessie and I spent a lot of time on Lake Erie as a kid I ain't never seen this thing and then on the far right uh, bottom is the Flatwoods monster which may be an alien maybe a cryptid but somebody built a chair that looks like it uh, in <laughs> Flatwoods and you can sit on you can sit on its lap. <laughs> skirt so um it's like an interesting phenomenon that in in america if you don't have a lot going for your town you find your identity wrapped up in some weird unexplainable thing and you throw mothman festivals and hell Raystown ray has a theme song you can look for it on youtube like you can let some guys wrote a theme song for Raystown ray so oh, well, that a, lends, it, that ray lends itself to too. a folksy song it's, it's true and i actually know somebody who worked uh at uh in Raystown on that lake. And the official word is that all of the guys who work there are like, it's not, it's not real. If you want it to be real, I guess, fine. Sure. Whatever. (laughs) Like they're just, just pay us money. Cause, cause the lake was actually, it's a, it's a, what? Ah, What? What? That 
Beast of Busco is uh, just an unmade Parks and Rec episode. Oh, it totally is. We yeah. For, <laughs> that how did they yeah how did they not do that and just adapt that into a Pawnee animal where somebody drains the whole pond and like Ron thinks well, it's, it's a hilarious. Turtle that's, <laughs> it's a turtle that's you know larger than most turtles. Yeah. But well, uh, they literally live within twenty minutes of Churubusco, mm-hmm. and they have a festival every year called Turtle Days that mm-hmm. is entirely yep. about the yep. So uh, they're actually very upset that it had to be canceled this year because apparently the beast is at least as real as COVID to many of these people. <laughs> and Don, I know this is something you've talked about before, but it's just interesting to see the parallels between this uh, the the small towns that have their own cryptid and like roadside attractions, right. like. Which aren't, which isn't actually all that different from what the the Skunk Ape Research Center is. It's, oh, it's a hundred percent roadside attraction. And when you think about how so many of these small towns are constructed, is they are usually going to be at the intersection of two old cross cross state highways, or something similar to that. And so they need something to bring in tourism because mm-hmm. people aren't touring to Enfield or to Flatwoods, West Virginia. Yeah, I wonder how many of these. I, I bet you can track the development of some of these creatures and the popularization of some of these myths and the building of the inter- interstate highway system that drew, uh, took took traffic away from small towns um, and uh, and left them scrambling to figure mm-hmm. out what to do. So if you can't if you can't build an enormous pipe or whatever, <laughs> just have a <laughs> statue of a of a sexy cryptid, right? Yeah. Or, right. uh, you know, uh, like Roswell, right? Right. The yep. whole alien museum and things. Yep. Like, you got to bring in tourist dollars somehow. Oh, Jebediah, the kids aren't coming to the Broomcorn Festival anymore. <laughs> we better we better build a statue of a Mothman with a nice butt. <laughs> Mothman? Did you say Mothman? Is he Jewish? <laughs> Harvey Mothman, yes. yes. So our uh, our second theme we have noticed is that there are a disturbing number of cryptids whose origin story involves a crashed circus train. Uh, it, it almost unaccountably, like if if there's a weird story in an area of the country and and nobody's come up with an origin for it, somebody's like, you know what? I bet in the twenties a circus train went off the rails and it escaped. And so we've got uh, once again going left to right, top to bottom. We have the Pope Lick Monster, which hangs out by a train trestle. We have <laughs> the Honey Island Swamp Monster, the story of which is that this is a bayou This is a bayou beast from Louisiana. So it was a result of chimps escaping from a, a uh, off-the-tracks uh, off train crash, circus train crash, which then interbred with the local alligators. So that's that's the Honey it's Island. so cute, though. Look at him. I know. He's got little hands and a gator face. He's got a little smile. Yeah, so be- because that's the first thing a chimp is going to do when it escapes from the circus. <laughs> like, oh, that look, oh, look at that. You know, that's how science works, is if you want to fuck something, I mean, sorry, if you want to <laughs> sleep with something bad enough, then eventually you will actually conceive offspring with it. Yep. So to the far right top is uh, the Beast of Boonville, which is slightly different. People say that it escaped from an empty circus truck. It's a somehow a remaining giant sloth. Um, that to escape from an empty circus truck. Uh, and then bottom left is the Beeman Monster, Kansas City, Missouri, which is the offspring of twelve foot a, a 12-foot gorilla who escaped from a crashed circus train. And the werewolf, this is a good one, the werewolf of Werewolf Springs, which how coincident, like... My favorite Goosebumps book. 
<laughs> you know, like they saw that and like, man, we live in werewolf springs and there's a werewolf here. How, oh, geez. You can't, you can't do better than that. Um, that's in Bur- near Burns, Tennessee was rumored to have escaped from Wait. a crash circus train. Burns? So then Tennessee is not in werewolf springs. <laughs> so technically, technically, it's only a werewolf if it's from Werewolf Springs. Otherwise, it's, <laughs> it's, like it's just a sparkling wolf. <laughs> sparkling lycanthrope. All right. So it's, it's like if, if yeah. you need an origin story for your cryptid in America, uh, and a lot of them don't have origin stories, right? A lot of them just are. But if you need an origin story, you either bastardize something Native American or apparently say that a circus truck went off the rails. Those are your options. And that's... That's interesting too. That's I, I don't have a fully formed thought about that, but just like it's interesting the mysticism and this is like, you know, this is such a, a ancient feeling thing now. Like the mysticism that we assign or ascribe to the circus as an entity, mm-hmm. like that's gone. Right? <laughs> that's like a boomer thing, right? Like that's that's uh something wicked this way comes and uh it and don't, stuff. I, I, mean, I wouldn't say it, that completely perfect sense though, if, because like the circus was the was like the big attraction was all mm-hmm. the, like the glitz and glamour that would come through your your junky little town but it was also a bunch of weirdos who all yeah. like they hung out together and the circus folk were different from normal folk um guys tom i, I do want to uh cor- i don't want to say correct you but just add that um if you are a juggalo the circus still is a very dark and mystical sort of thing that's a dark carnival don not a circus <laughs> totally different sorry my apologies <laughs> to violet jay and shay we are we are gonna get flamed by some juggalos about that <laughs> nothing but love for and all juggalettes. my mcl <laughs> How many circus trains crashed back in the day? I feel like <laughs> if it was that common a problem, you'd stop using the train. <laughs> I mean, no, you'd start no sufficient them over. way of transporting all of your, you know, circus equipment, I suppose. Yeah, if you um, want if you want to get from crap town to crap town, many of which are only connected by old-timey railroads. It's, it's it, it makes me wonder cuz like the, I, I think this is another place where where modern folklore like urban legends intersects with these cryptid myths um because you know the the like the crash circus train there are ghost stories that are very similar to that that start mm-hmm. with with those kinds of things like, like there are a lot of like urban myths mm-hmm. of book-handed killers and stuff who are, are the the uh, headless conductor are, with with his lantern walking down the train tracks out of so, and I'd, night. I'd be curious when when it stopped being so much the escaped circus uh, creatures and shifted toward like escaped mental asylum, you know, insane asylum. Like patients. Probably right around the seventies when they started defunding uh, mental <laughs> asylums. Asylum. Right. Yeah. Hey Tom, I'll do you one better. Like so many of these stories involve the railways in these small towns because in a small town you're protected from everything because there's nothing, there's no danger in your small town, but the railroad is what is bringing things in from outside. Ooh, it's what's right. bringing things Good in point. from like the dangerous places and in fact, like there are real crimes that were committed back in the 1890s, 1910s, 1920s of people hopping off a train, picking up an axe, bludgeoning a family to death and getting back on the train and getting out of town. So yeah. it makes sense that the anxiety that you would ascribe to these monsters sort of is coming from the train tracks also. So what, so- what you're saying is that cryptids are all actually murder hobos? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think it would be really, really hairy murder hobos. What I'm saying is that Bill James's book, The Man from the Train, is 
Oh, you froze. Oh, John froze. Oh, no. Oh, no. We'll never find out what the man from the train is. <laughs> what, were you, what were you saying, John, about the man from the train? No, I was saying it's actually a cryptid. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think it would be interesting to do, like, a survey of, of creepypasta and see what the what the thing is now that is the, the source of of creepy stuff coming into your, your yeah. internet. Yeah. They're not air balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Nobody uses Holy those anymore. It must be an eight man. All right, we got uh, ten minutes to get. We'll get through right. as many of these cool real animals as as possible. Um, Eastern Eastern Emerald Elysia. This is a sea slug that if uh, th- that kid. Okay, so this sea slug has nematocytes in its body. No, no, no. Sorry, the, the Eastern Emerald Elysia is the sea oh, slug that oh, plants, shoot. yes, and then incorporates those plants chlorophyll yes. into its body. Right. I was thinking the wrong so one. then it can produce, it can do photosynthesis, and it doesn't have to eat anymore. Right? Yeah, animals um, can't produce chloroplasts, but the Eastern Emerald Elysia uh, just eats them and uses them. Yeah, yeah. But there's um, that, there, yeah, there are sea slugs that will then that will eat things like jellyfish or anemones and incorporate their nematocysts into their bodies, and so they get the stinging yeah. uh, effect yeah, if something that, tries yeah. to eat them. But, I was uh, thinking of the other one. Yeah, I was thinking of incorporating a different organ that it can't possibly have on its own. Sea slugs, wild creatures. Yeah, they're insanely also cool. very cool. Mimic octopus. Every picture there is a picture of a mimic octopus. Look at the flounder octopus. That's just amazing. It's incredible. I don't understand how it does, how they do these things. I would be like, I mean, I've read about mimic octopuses and I don't understand how they do these things. They're just, they've got like, uh, octopuses, I mean, all across the board, cephalopods are really, really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got really advanced brains. They've got eyes that are totally different from the eyes of just about any other creature on the planet. Um, they're, they have, uh, a, color changing system chromatophores yeah then then what you would expect like you know chameleons can change their colors but like uh uh, uh what do they call uh what are the ones the cuttlefish that can like sh- like do stripes and stuff they can do old like html blink effects on their bodies and uh as wild as wild these real creatures that actually exist it the 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 reason that we do this the reason we started doing this was just to show how bereft of imagination cryptozoology tends to be um, <laughs> when the real animals in nature are so much more interesting hey cuttlefish yeah he, yeah they're uh i mean it's just like uh, they are another type of cephalopod that by the way do you guys remember a couple of years ago when some some scientist was like clearly they're aliens yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes <laughs> so um cu- cuttlefish are re- they're related to squid and octopi o- octopi that's not a real word turns out octopuses um uh but they're they're a distinct uh, grouping of their own and they are like inordinately intelligent and and uh, a lot of or well all cephalopods really are quite intelligent but the cuttlefish like i i I remember i was scuba diving once and there were three or four cuttlefish who were watching me and i tried to go over and say hi to them and (laughs) they kept watching me but no matter how fast or slowly i move they match pace with me exactly and they were keeping about four feet away from me at all times. And like they, they were, were just messing with you. Yeah, they, they were obviously wary of me, but also wanted to know what I was all about. And but they weren't afraid of me. They just didn't want to be near me. They're like, don't touch me. Go, go. Right. Um, they were just social distancing. Yes, they, before it was cool. Right. Oh, look at this beast. 
I like how most of these are underwater creatures because yeah. you know the ocean is full of crazy <laughs> stuff, and much crazier stuff than just like, hey, maybe a plesiosaur, mm-hmm. maybe something that survived sixty-five million years. No, how about an anglerfish that instead of having a light on its head, has like a freaking fishing pole growing out of its forehead. <laughs> and we could have just done all cephalopods. That's true. Yeah. And we still it still would have been cooler than just about any cryptid. Except just a shrimp that hasn't shaved with a spider on a rope. <laughs> oh, it's uh oh it's it's Peppy from uh from Muppets. <laughs> Is that King Prawn? <laughs> oh, oh these ah! things. Oh. They they These guys went viral a few years ago. Uh, yeah, yep. They're they're related My to nightmare. They're related to roly polies and like lice on on the surface. They will eat the tongue out of a fish, attach itself to the tongue stump and blood supply of the fish, and oh. like live as its tongue while eating a little bit of the food that comes into the fish's mouth. And it's uh, it's a symbiotic relationship because it doesn't eat enough to make the fish starve, and it's the only way that the tongue eating louse can survive. It's ridiculous and disgusting and creepy. Yeah, Heratopsis oh, nutricula. Yeah, do you remember it's the what immortal jellyfish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one that uh, it shrinks back into a polyp and grows back uh, like it never. Unless you kill it, it'll never die. Yeah, as far as we know, it can regenerate indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Doesn't uh, age, which is wild. Uh, and what's next? I think I know what's after this one. Oh no, I put it in later. Um, if you have seen Planet Earth, you know why these things are super cool. Just, just yeah. go go. There's look. a bird somewhere in here. Yes, it's a. It you know we we joke about you know Bigfoot being blurry. This really kind of is like Bird of Paradise. The bird that's got a mustache on its uh, on its body when it does its little mating dance. Yeah, I think it's actually painted in Vanta black, so you can't see what's Ooh, going right. on. It, it <laughs> Anish Kapoor's Bird of Paradise. It read the pickup artist and knows all about peacocking. <laughs> Ironically. Um, Speaking of, li- liar bird is one you want to look up for the sound because it can mimic nearly any sound it hears with like perfect fidelity. Can we get the liar bird to make the the bunyip noise? Almost certainly, we just have to find one. <laughs> just play it at it all the time <gasps> until it does it. <laughs> uh, 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 Blake, you've seen these things, you because yeah, I you, have. Yeah, tree weedas. The, the do they say weta? Because I've always heard weeda. They're from New Zealand. It's like weeta. The the tree the giant tree weeda evolved in New Zealand that doesn't have any small ground mammals like squirrels and chipmunks. It evolved to fill that niche, so it's roughly as big as uh, as a uh, an arthropod can get on land. And also, some species of them are also immortal. They die during the winter. Every bit of cellular tissue inside their exoskeleton freezes. The cell's life is destroyed, and then somehow it grows back again once it thaws out in the spring. Yeah, there's a lot of like interesting animals that that have uh, adaptations to wintering that that are again wild, just wild mm-hmm. creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to, I did find one. One of the Airbnbs we stayed at, I caught one that was about the size of a cricket. That's not too bad. It's not but like there's several size. species of them, yeah, and then at the zoo, we got to see the giant cave mm-hmm. wetas, and they're like the size of a mouse. Yeah. So this Which is, is a, pretty wild. This uh, Murmuracne uh, platyliades, I believe. This is a spider. Um, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Which we include because um, spiders have a two-part body plan and eight legs. Ants and other insects have a three-part body plan and six legs. This dude's abdomen is just kind of squished in the middle. So it looks like it's a, th- it's a, a head, head, thorax, and abdomen. And it holds up two of its front legs to look like antennas so it can eat a bunch of ants without the ants knowing any better. <laughs> Yeah, it's the uh, 
It's like a serial killer of the mm-hmm. ant world. People don't think that nature be like it is, but it do. It's I think like, you put that on there just to make me have more nightmares about spiders. Thank don't, you. Don't <laughs> worry. It doesn't live anywhere near us. Um, this is I couldn't find any video of this. I wanted to embed some video of this. But uh, the Malaysian exploding ant, one of the defense mechanisms of the anthill, they, uh, they have organs that, if they mix, cause a violent chemical reaction. And so a bunch <laughs> of the soldier ants will survive, surround whatever is attacking it pierce their own insides with their outsides and explode into a cot, like just massive, tiny, uh, a mass of tiny little pops of caustic chemicals uh, attacking whatever is trying to attack the, uh, the anthill. This ant is basically like the cyanide capsule in a false tooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's the suicide bomber and fire ants. This is a raft of floating fire ants. Because fire ants have, uh, if they raft up like this to survive flooding, you basically can't sink them. You could poke them down and they'll just float right back up to the top. The ants on the bottom rotate with the ants on the top. They also have some air bubbles around the bottom. So some of them are probably going to die. But for the greater good of the of the uh, hill, uh, the ones on the bottom might sacrifice themselves. But they try to keep everybody alive as they float down the water and find a new place to build. It's kind of crazy. This guy shoots blood from his eyes, but we all know that. It's just metal as hell. And he's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and next, you guys know this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the hairy frog. Hairy frog. Yeah, the wolverine frog. Yeah. Hairy frog uh, is also my insurance salesman. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hairy frog can eject its metatarsals from its hands to make claws. Yeah, yeah it breaks its own bones yeah. to yep. use as weapons. Yep, which is pretty. That's also metal as hell. Next. Geckos use the Vanderwall's force hey, to sell insurance. Yeah, <laughs> to walk up and like they don't have sticky feet. They have uh, tiny, tiny, tiny little cilia that exploit a quantum mechanical effect to stick to things that even have like zero coefficient of friction. Yeah, like they'll stick well, to glass and yeah, stuff because it, they're yeah. they're relying on Vanderwall's. Yeah, they'll stick oh, in a vacuum. Yeah, I have to will. ask, what would happen if you put one on a uh, air hockey table? I don't want to find probably, out. It would probably stick because air hockey tables, it's just pushing air up, right? So, like, the, the puck only floats because it's... Yeah, it, but the air, the force of the air might be greater than the force of the of the Vanderwolves. Yeah, because they're small. Yeah. They're like, I was thinking, yeah. like, the lift might... Yeah. I yeah, but know. I'm thinking, like, the air is only coming out of each individual jet, right? The jets, yeah. you can see those on an air hockey table. I don't know. That's I don't know. I don't, I, it would be mean to find out. Okay. It's yeah. kind of like the buttered cat effect. So I want to I want to cut us off here. We do have a couple more, uh, yeah, a couple more cool animals. Tardigrades they can survive anything as long as they're uh, uh, dried out in their ton form. Siphonophores are colony organisms where none of the parts they're all individual species, but none of them can survive on their own. Well, they're all individuals, yeah. but yeah, they can't survive yeah. on their own. It's 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 yeah. And then we've got the parasites that can literally change how the behavior of other. Yeah, uh, we've things. all played The Last of Us. Yes, it's true. Um, so, uh, is anybody in the chat wants to make a guess as to which of these creatures we made up? I'll get um and 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 while anybody is possibly replying to that, if you if you want to try to figure out which one uh, we is not real for certain definitions of the word real, uh, this is our website hiddenzoo.podbean.com because I'm too cheap to get us a dedicated uh, um, URL, a dedicated web domain. 
and every but with square space yeah. oh wait no, no sorry, yeah, sorry no. <laughs> i lose money on this podcast i don't <laughs> we don't have any sponsors uh, uh you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts i try to put us everywhere we are on google podcasts of course we're an apple podcast i think we made it into spotify we're on stitcher uh, and we do this. We try for every Monday, but sometimes life gets in the way, and we uh, we make fun of cryptids, much like we have been doing for the past couple of hours. Um, and P.S. They are all adult content. If you are thirteen, one hundred percent. We make or horrible... at least wait till your mother goes to bed and put the head. <laughs> hey, no, no, we can't. We can't. advocating that. No. Um, if uh, if you want to hear us read ridiculous uh, stories uh, of uh, cryptid erotica, we'll be back at eight o'clock Eastern. Well, some of us will. So I'll see most of you at eight o'clock Eastern to read about uh, Bigfoot having sex with Oscar the Grouch. In my case. Uh, and, Tell me that one got rated mature. So yeah, I'll, 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 I'm gonna double check. I'm pretty. I'm really extra sure I made that a, one mature. That's gonna be a real problem. Um, if it's not but, 18. Yes, yeah, um, you can. You can see us in. We called it Cryptid Fanfic: The Legendary Journeys. Uh, everybody, thank you very much for joining us for the panel. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do something similar again at a an in-person Gen Con again in the future. We love doing this for an in-person audience. We hope you enjoyed watching us do it here on Facebook Live. Uh, and uh, listen to the podcast and tell your friends about it. I even wrote the theme song, and there are two versions of the theme song, and you won't hear it unless you listen to the podcast. Uh, thank you to all my guests. Thanks to all the panelists. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining me and Blake to do this Did we have any guesses? Um, gotta be the it, it turtle does. seems too normal. Oh, geek gasm. If only the beast of Busco is a real cryptid. Um, it, it does. yeah. I oh. looked up chance, the snapper, the yeah. alligator. Yeah. One of the alternate nicknames was Ruth Gator Ginsburg. <laughs> <laughs> I would love oh. to get any. If I if I learned anything today, that makes me the most happy. <laughs> I would I would love to go out on Ruth Gator Ginsburg, but I feel like we can't leave uh, we can't leave it hanging. Uh, Geekgasm guessed it was the Beast of Busco. That is a real cryptid. Um, but hey, that means we fooled at least one person. I invented the Mammoth of Magic Valley from Whole Cloth. Um, and in fact, I did pull the, the name Yakwawi is an Indian name, but it means Mastodon. It came from the Lenape Indians, which are from Delaware which is not beyond the pale of something a cryptozoologist in Idaho might do, <laughs> but so racist in Idaho. What? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, there it is. It was, uh, it was the mammoth of magic Valley. Cool. cool. Stay safe. Also, Casper Van Dien is not on cameo. You can't pay him to do stuff. <laughs> well, Damn. crap. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.